0: Eligible items only exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Hey, man, got a quick question for you. What would you do with an extra $100,000? No, you don't have to go embarrass yourself on TV at a wrestling camp. No, you don't have to win any challenges out in the desert. All you've got to do is go to savewithconrad.com. You may not realize it, but there has been six figures of savings hiding in your own house. No, it's not in your junk drawer. It's not in your attic. It's not in your basement. It's in your mortgage. You're overpaying your single biggest bill. And you may not even realize it. here's a quick test for me. Do me a favor, take your monthly payment and multiply it by 360. That big, scary number you're looking at, that's what you're really paying for your house. That's what we call the total of payments. When you add up all 30 years of your existing mortgage, that big, scary number is what you're actually paying. And when you see that you'll realize, uh, Houston we have a problem but don't worry if you got a problem yo I'll solve it check out savewithconrad.com. with on dave silver revolving okay that was corny but the point is I can get you out of debt faster and do it with cheaper monthly payments if you're in a 30-year loan right now it's not a matter of if we can save you money it's a matter of how much I'm routinely helping people get interest rates in the twos and cut years you hear me I said years of unnecessary house payments off of their loan. Here's my question. If you could keep paying roughly the same monthly payment, but pay your house off years faster, why wouldn't you do that? Keep more of your own money. Really think about what it takes to save $100,000. Now, if you don't do this, you're going to work for that money, pay taxes on it, and then just give it away. Why would you do that? set yourself up for real financial peace for real financial freedom and get rid of your single biggest bill your mortgage by the way we're routinely helping our listeners get rid of all their credit card debt and i'm talking about mean nasty ugly credit card debt that's 18 19 20 21 percent interest if you've made a minimum payment on your credit cards this year you owe it to yourself to run the numbers right now at SaveWithConrad.com. i'm routinely helping people pay their house off faster by getting rid of their other consumer debt, like car loans and credit card debt, they're saving five, six, seven, even 800 bucks a month. Oh yeah, still going from a 30 year loan to a 15 year loan. Now you don't need perfect credit to do this. You don't need money out of your pocket to do this, but you do need to spend 10 minutes right now. Just let us run the numbers for free at SaveWithConrad.com. It's no cost, no obligation. And if we can't help you out, we won't waste your time. We've recently been able to approve credit scores in the 500s. And oh yeah, you even get to skip your next two house payments. So why wouldn't you do this? It's a no-brainer. It's SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. And did I mention we're licensed in 40 states? Yes, that probably includes your state too. Check it out right now at SaveWithConrad.com. There's no better time to say I love you, and the most hated jeweler in America is at it again. You've heard us say I hate IHateStevenSinger.com, and you've heard us rave about his famous roses but Steven Singer has been selling diamonds and bridal jewelry for four decades. Whether you have someone or something to celebrate, Steven is there for you. Ready to take the next step. Steven has a ready for love engagement ring collection. That is no hassle, no risk expertly picked engagement rings that are ready to go. Don't worry. Steven won't let you mess this up. He's been selling online for over two decades, but he's recently kicked everything up a notch to better service friends and guests online. He has real expert jewelers on call to help you find the perfect ring or gift through new virtual video appointments, calls, texts, chats, or emails, all with extended hours. On top of that, he offers the best guarantee in the business with a full 100-day, 100% money-back guarantee and free shipping. Interest-free financing is available online too, and that's just the beginning. Gifts that say I love you every single day, backed with decades of experience in the comfort of your own home, it's easy. Just go to IHateStevensinger.com. Fast, free, and safe shipping. Steven Singer Jewelers. That's IHateStevensinger.com.
1: Welcome to something to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with, with. with. Bruce Pritchard. Bruce Pritchard. Well, you know, that's not a rib.
2: She put it. What a rip? No, y'all, yeah, but me. There's no box of gimmicks. <laughs> rumor and innuendo. I don't deal in rumor innuendo. It, it, and innuendo. Was he there? I was there.
1: Say something about I don't give a
2: shit. I ain't scared I ain't scared of shit. Fuck him. You, Bruce. Ah, look. You cheese. take the cheese.
1: Double cheeseburger. You take the grain. Double cheese. you know. And then double meal. You know, it's called chicken salad. Double you're nothing but an ex-sucking dog! They're on your Google machine. God damn, it, kid! God damn it! What the hell show you got there? I need more. No. No. yeah! What say you? Roll out.
2: Girl. And now something to wrestle with! Gone, Bruce
1: Pretor! Eek the second most second. Charm's a good night. Yeah, it's so big. Yeah, that's bullshit. Welcome to wrestle. All right, girl, title on that. Welcome to, something to, something, to, something, to, something, to something to wrestle with.
0: Something to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with. Bruce Pritchard. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to something
2: to wrestle with.
0: Bruce Pritchard. Bruce, what's going on, man? How are you?
2: Just a box of fluffy ducks.
0: Well, we're excited you're with us today. It's going to be a glorious show, man. I love these old profile shows. And today we've got a super old school one, one that most of our listeners, myself included, grew up on the honky tonk man. Pretty excited to talk about honky, man. This is going to be
2: a good show. Well, he's just a honky talk, man. He's cool. He's cocky. He's bad. Roy Wayne Ferris was born
0: January 25th, 1953, right there in Tennessee. He has one son, Roy, and a daughter, Megan, as opposed to Megan, who has her doctorate in veterinary medicine. Who would have thought, man? Honky Talk Man cranking out some pretty smart youngins.
2: Well, you know, the Honky Talk Man's a pretty smart fella himself.
0: Yes, he is. We're going to get into that today. Ferris himself grew up on a small cotton farm about 60 miles outside of Memphis. And then around 11 years old, he started watching the only wrestling he could pick up on TV, Nick Goulas Nashville territory. Let's talk about Nashville for a minute. I think a lot of our listeners probably confused Nashville and Memphis and just assume Tennessee was one territory, but that's not exactly the case. Right, Bruce.
2: Well, Tennessee is Tennessee. And there was the Welsh group and Goulas and those guys kind of did East Tennessee, and that's where them Fuller boys come from. And then over in the west end of Tennessee, that'd be Memphis. And I guess we'll go ahead and call Nashville a little bit of... Well, Nashville's not really, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, but yeah, it was Nick Gulis was the promoter there for years. Nick was an old-time wrestling promoter that was the epitome of that just old school con wrestling promoter. I believe he actually did smoke a big old cigar and he had a son by the name of George Goulis. Now, the reason I'm telling you this is because the first time that I met George Goulis's his son, George traveled to Houston to deliver an NWA sign to Paul Bosch. Just a, literally. That's what it was, man was a big sign that had the NWA logo on it. Um, And with George Goulas was, oh, fuck, man, Jimmy, Jimmy Kirkles, I believe was his name. Jimmy Kirkles was like the businessman and kind of the guy that did a lot of work there for old Nick Goulas and shit. So he was there. George Goulas was there. And that night, a young man worked for the first time in Houston, Texas, by the name of Bobby Eaton. Wow. And Bobby and George were a tag team in Tennessee known as the Jet Set. And George was not a very good worker, okay? George was the drizzling shits. But George wanted to be a wrestler, and Daddy wanted him to be a wrestler. And they would... uh, Nick would put George in the main event, and it was a very uh, nepotistic type situation there in Nashville, Tennessee. But then Nick learned to put George with guys that could work, like a la Bobby Eaton, young, good-looking guy, and uh, it was the jet set. They were setting Tennessee on fire, and they wanted old Bobby to come on down to Houston, Texas, and maybe shoot something with Bobby in Texas and just get some exposure for Bobby around the country. And then next time I saw Bobby Eaton was when he came in as part of the midnight express
1: motherfucker.
0: <laughs> so Honky says he always wanted to be in entertainment and he's often said this in his shoot interviews, but growing up, he played a lot of sports. He played baseball, basketball, and football, but there was no amateur wrestling in his high school. And, uh, he scored a whopping 15 on his ACT gets into health and physical education in college. And that leads Ferris to coaching high school football for two years at Munford high school in Munford, Tennessee, Bruce, this guy could have been the original Dean Douglas. Well, I mean, he could have been a teacher gimmick. I mean, of all the things that I could see, and listen, some of this is probably from watching too much HBO, but I could totally see the honky tonk man. As a PE coach, like to me, he could have been like the original Kenny powers.
2: Actually, that is kind of where I was going. I could see old Wayne there. Coach Ferris. Co- God damn it, son. Get over there. And give it a f- 10 more side straddle hops on to you. Here you go. Count them out. he got the long side birds and the hair. So <laughs> back coming to your town in the pink Cadillac. It's just rock and roll. Wayne Ferris basketball coach.
0: Or football, whatever.
2: Or football, whatever. The fo- Does not really fucking matter?
0: No, listen. The first time I took you to an Alabama game when we scored a touchdown, you yelled, Home Run! So,
2: yeah. yay! Of course. When uh, they hit that three-pointer from outside?
0: They did. They did.
2: I love it. I love it when they hit the goalie and the puck gets stuck in his mask there at the Mabalama football game. It's the best, man.
0: Yeah. Isn't it fun to think now that you're uh, an indentured servant that you'll never get to go another game with me? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Every Saturday, I still got to take Kane to a Alabama football we, game. Listen, just send him.
0: Me and him will go. We'll have a great night this year. But next year, hell, you might be fired. Then Ferris had both friends and family in wrestling. Of course, Jerry Lawler's mother was Ferris's mother's <laughs> sister. <laughs> That tickles you, doesn't it? That very long
2: tickle. It tickles me the whole thing in Tennessee and how everybody was related to somebody. They were either somebody's cousin or mother or sister or just, yeah, that just, that just tickles me. But yes, their cousins, old Wayne Ferris and Jerry, the kink Lawler.
0: Jerry, the kink Lawler. How about that? I got to yeah. tell you the, uh. The irony is not lost on me of you saying, oh, everybody's related. So anyway, my brother, Dr. Tom, come on, man. What? I'm just saying you're part of a wrestling family yourself.
2: Yeah, but we're not like fucking our cousins. Well, they weren't either. I think they were. Well, I mean, so you guys were fucking your
0: moms because that's what y'all have in common. No. Why would you accuse Dr. Tom? He's a fine, upstanding citizen, and by God, I won't let you talk about I would take a bullet for him.
2: Dr. John Richards.
0: <laughs> so Wayne says uh, one night he was coaxed into going into a wrestling show, and soon after he thought, man, I could do this. So he gave his resignation in the middle of the school year to go to Mobile, Alabama to wrestle. And of course, <laughs> as luck would have it, territory closes before he could get there. He winds up trained by your man, Welch. And he described the training as grueling. He says around that time, he began a friendship with one of the other trainees who would go on to be Coco beware. And he would say that Coco would drop, kick him 20 times in the face and weightlifters would slap him hard. And he suffered more injuries through the course of his training than he did in his actual career. And of course. If you've seen honky Talk on a indie show in the last 20 years, you know, that's because he last took a bump in
2: 1998. No, maybe 88. <laughs>
0: Listen, this is, uh, a- an area of the country. We don't normally talk about because you were in Texas, but training with the Welches and working with Coco beware. That's, uh, that's kind of cool.
2: Yeah, it it is, you know. And again, you talk about that East Tennessee, and then you talk about Alabama, and some of those areas, in in the uh, Pensacola, Mobile, and that area where the Welches were and the Fullers. Again, another wrestling family, and the those guys would sell the territories over and over and over again. I bet you that the Fullers and the Welches probably sold their territories. I'm not exaggerating at least five or six times, right? And then they would wait till the guy goes out of business and then they'd go back in and open up. Right. And then they'd sell it again. Not a bad business model, you know?
0: No, if you can sell the same thing over and over, it sounds like the buy here, pay here model or the rent to own model. Like, Hey, you know, they're not going to finish their payments. So just recapture and start over.
2: Whatever works.
0: So here's the deal. You don't need to be some sort of expert or guru to know that consolidating credit card debt into one low fixed rate can save you money. So why not start saving today with a credit card consolidation loan from Lightstream? Lightstream's fixed rate credit card consolidation loan started just 5.95% APR with auto pay and excellent credit. That's much slower than the average credit card interest rate of over 19% APR. You can get a loan from $5,000 to $100,000 with absolutely no fees. The application is 100% online, and you can even get your money as soon as the day you apply. Lightstream believes that people with good credit deserve a great interest rate, and there's no fees. That's exactly what they deliver. And I'm telling you that from firsthand experience. Years ago, I bought a car and i found that i got the absolute best interest rate i've ever had on an automobile loan from lightstream. now if you're in a different situation and you've got credit card debt, i can't recommend it enough. if this just makes sense. if you can consolidate your debt from 19% down to just 5.95% APR with autopay and excellent credit, i mean you can get as low as 5.95% APR. Come on. That's a huge difference. It's going to be a tremendous savings. It's going to give you great peace of mind, and right now our listeners can save even more with an additional interest rate discount. Now the only way to get the discount is to go to Lightstream.com/wrestle. That's L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M.com/wrestle. Lightstream.com/wrestle. Of course, this is subject to credit approval. The rate includes a half a percent auto pay discount. Terms and conditions apply, and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash wrestle for more information. So his wrestling career begins in Missouri in 1977, Missouri, believe it or not. And a year later, he finds himself moving to Memphis, Tennessee, and he starts going by the name dynamite Wayne Ferris, and he's working both Tennessee and Florida and well, everywhere in between Ferris and Larry Latham, the future moondog spot would team as the blonde bombers. And a team name that was used before and since by different combinations through the different territories, but their signature moment was in 1979, and this has become a tape trading legend. It's the Tupelo concession stand brawl against Jerry Lawler and Bill Dundee. I guess it was the repeat of this with Anita that actually went viral before that was a thing with tape traders. And uh, was
2: your, it Anita or was it um, God damn? Was it because it was with Ricky Morton and those guys, and they took the mustard jar and yes. dashed it over his head, and the the shard of glass went in his ear. I
0: and thought that just, one was Ricky Morton and Eddie Gilbert on one side, um, and uh, Masafuchi maybe, and, and, and yeah, yeah, and Onita on the other. But that one okay, is the man. tape trading legend. But I think this predated it actually.
2: It did, yeah. This was the the concession stand brawl tupelo tried to be recreated all over the country
0: well and and how about this even years later you know i mean when we get into the attitude era you guys were doing all kinds of of silly stuff like this with with spots with concessions and tables and things like that but you've even done the grocery store brawl which i think maybe big japan did first but you guys did more famously with stone cold and booker t and i mean lots of craziness um And I think, you know, as, as he would describe the fullers had raided Jerry Jarrett's Memphis territory for most of its talent. And with very few players left, the blonde bombers and Lawler and Dundee really needed to tear the house down. And I think they probably accomplished it because this had to be something that everybody in wrestling was talking about because it was something that hadn't been done before. Right.
2: Yeah, it was. And, you know, I think that as much as much fun as I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of Memphis wrestling and what have you, uh, look, Jerry Lawler and I were talking about it the other day, and Jerry's celebrating his uh, 50th or 60th year in, in wrestling. Um, let's go maybe his 70th year in wrestling, maybe 80, I don't know.
0: No, seriously, what? we should plug it. On the 26th, they're actually doing a get-together in Jacksonville, Tennessee, There's going to be a whole lot of Southern wrestling legends there, but this could be one of the largest crowds to, uh, to attend a Jackson wrestling event in a long time. They've got a huge stadium for this, so you can still be safe and all that jazz. At least that's what we hear, but it's going down September 26th It's the 50th anniversary of the King and your old pal, Jim Ross will be there and Tracy Smothers. And I think the rock and roll express and a lot of the old classics. So if Alabama wasn't kicking off that day, Bruce, I'd be there, but, you know, as you know, that's a state holiday here. I've, I've got to attend to those affairs.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, but, but, jo, but Lawler look, when people talk about Memphis, you talk about the King Jerry Lawler and the fact that Lex Luger got in wrestling because he was playing football and walking around in downtown Memphis, Tennessee, and people saw him, saw he was big and jacked up, thought he was a wrestler and said, Hey, are you wrestling Jerry, the King Lawler? And he thought he was a big star being a football player, but then realized that to get noticed and for people to know who the hell you are, you don't need to be wearing a helmet. And that the wrestlers were the people that were famous in, in Luger's eyes. And that was one of the reasons that uh, Lex got in the business was because of Jerry, the King Lawler and Lawler, man, I, I, you sit there and guys talk about, oh, you know, Hogan wasn't a great worker. This guy wasn't a great worker. They drew money. Lawler was a great worker because he always drew money, and that's what the mark of a great worker is, folks. Not a move set, not how many high spots they do in a match. Can they tell a story and draw money?
0: Can they make people care and buy tickets?
2: Ding, ding, motherfucking ding. Well, of
0: course, these days nobody's buying tickets. But you know, last year, six months ago, after a bloody battle. That involves Ferris and Latham cheating at every turn. The blonde bombers win the match here, this Tupelo concession brawl, and, uh, they win the tag titles as well, but Dundee and Lawler weren't finished and took the fight to the concession stand area and Lance Russell, as you know, would follow with the cameraman and continue to call the action pretty masterfully they used mops and pans and boxes and stools and a table and mustard. And by the way, this is 1979 and the event wound up being so hot that it actually turned around Jerry Jarrett's territory. So while their talent may have been rated, this was such a spectacle that people started to vote with their dollars for the Jarrett team. It's pretty remarkable when one match can sort of turn around a territory, right?
2: And one guy and that one guy being Jerry Lawler, but yes. And being able to go out and grab people's attention was someone that had been there a long time, uh, with Lawler at that point, probably what, six years. Right. And, um, shit. Yes. It w- it was a hell of a deal, but it, that was an opportunity for old Wayne Ferris and Larry to get out there and make a name for themselves and have get people talking.
0: We should mention that even honky would tell you it's not the first hardcore match in history, but it is one of the earliest hardcore moments that people can still remember and talk about today. It was such a big deal that last year on the 30 year anniversary TV stations in Tupelo did a news story celebrating the anniversary. And I think Lawler and Dundee both received keys to the city honoring it. How crazy is that? That they're giving keys to the city for a wrestling match. That's 30 years old. I don't know that that's going to happen 30 years from now. Is that just a sign of, what pro wrestling meant to entertainment at the time, or how big it was to the area, or I mean, I what a big it, deal! It
2: speaks to the importance in the in the local area and what it meant. Wrestling and wrestlers in the in the small territories and in the towns, you didn't have five hundred or a thousand television stations and the internet to watch whatever you wanted whenever you wanted. You had three stations, three folks. Then when UHF came in, sometimes you had five, maybe if you're really lucky, six. And wrestling was a mainstay, and the guys lived in the towns, and they lived in the area, so they were local celebrities that you saw on TV. You couldn't go see Roy Rogers every Monday night at the Memphis Coliseum. Right. But you could see Jerry Lawler on TV. And Wayne Ferris on TV on Saturday and the, go to the Coliseum and see him live and in living color in person.
0: We should mention that, um, hockey has said in interviews that he didn't think Jerry Lawler was particularly good to him during his time in Memphis. And remember Lawler has quite a bit of stroke here. Uh, he's making huge money has influence, getting some kickbacks from the office, part of the ownership group, the whole deal. And Honky would say he would be booked twice a week and it shows that were huge draws, uh, but he couldn't ride with the other wrestlers there because they thought he was office. And well, after Tupelo Ferris said Lawler showed him much more professional courtesy, well, I guess that's probably natural, right? On the one hand, you want, you don't, you don't really want to show favoritism or had the perception be that you're favoring one guy over another. Well, once that guy becomes part of the team that's really drawing, well, now they've proven their worth, huh?
2: Yeah, and now I really don't give a shit what you think as long as you're drawing money. Right.
0: Well, believe it or not, before Honky made his way to the WWF, he even spent some time in Puerto Rico for WWE's WWC, easy for me to say. He said every night you had to fight your way into and out of the arena. And this has become legendary, Bruce. We know that some fans would even throw rocks and some throw battery acid, just crazy stuff. He wound up spending 10 months there working three or four days a week. What was the rap on Puerto Rico in the late eighties or, or late seventies and early eighties?
2: Well, actually it was a good place to go to make some good money. The local with Carlos and Jovica and those guys, they were legends on the island and able to talk people in to the buildings and they would bring in Americans heels to be their foes. And it was a pretty simple formula that worked for them, uh, for many, 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 many years. So if you are, if you could go over there and get over as a heel and stay, chances are you'd make some good money. Uh, the top guys, you know, like the Briscoes and the Funks, flair and stuff like that. They love going to Puerto Rico because it was always a good payday, easy trips, and you're, you're out on the beach, having a good time.
0: There are worse things. Believe it or not, hockey does actually spend a little bit of time in mid Atlantic. I think he's there for just a hiccup. And then he goes to uh, Japan for six weeks for giant Baba and even wrestles Jack Briscoe over there during his stint. And he says that Jack was the ultimate professional. He would also say that he made like a $1,000 a week in Japan, but that he was promised $1,200 by Abdul the Butcher. Japan has always been the big money thing, especially in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Am I right?
2: Yeah. If you're working a territory and you get shit, if you get one tour a year, that's pretty good because... You had guaranteed money. It wasn't you are getting paid off of houses. You went over there for a set amount of money per week. You knew how many dates you were gonna be there, and they paid for your transportation. They would get you in between the towns on the buses and what have you. So it was a pretty good gig if you wanted to go there three three weeks, three week tour, five week tour, six week tour, whatever. Yeah, shit, go make some money. And when the two companies when all Japan and new Japan, when they made the split between, uh, Inoki and Baba, and they each had their own individual companies, those prices went up. So guys could go over there and make a lot more money because they would just say, Hey, I'm going to go work for the other company.
0: There's no better time to say, I love you. And the most hated jeweler in America is at it again. You've heard us say, I hate Steven And you've heard us rave about his famous roses. But Steven Singer has been selling diamonds and bridal jewelry for four decades, whether you have someone or something to celebrate Steven is there for you, ready to take the next step. Steven has a ready for love engagement ring collection. That is no hassle, no risk expertly picked engagement rings that are ready to go. Don't worry. Steven won't let you mess this up. He's been selling online for over two decades, but he's recently kicked everything up a notch to better service friends and guests online. He has real expert jewelers on call to help you find the perfect ring or gift through new virtual video appointments, calls, texts, chats, or emails, all with extended hours. On top of that, he offers the best guarantee in the business with a full 100-day, 100% money-back guarantee and free shipping. Interest-free financing is available online too, and that's just the beginning. Gifts that say I love you every single day, backed with decades of experience in the comfort of your own home, it's easy. Just go to ihatestevensinger.com. Fast, free, and safe shipping. Stevensinger Jewelers. That's ihatestevensinger.com. Let's uh, let's talk about where he is after this. He winds up working with Continental, which I believe at the time was Southeastern Championship Wrestling, and that's where his most famous persona would be born. He had wrestled once before as Punk Rock Wayne Ferris. And from that, he transitions into having black hair. Fans give him the jumpsuit and Robert Fuller gives him a guitar. Ferris says he gave himself the name off of a record by Jimmy Horton. And the record is called honky tonk man that you mentioned earlier, rock and roll Wayne Ferris. I assume he was still trying the music thing and you met him as rock and roll. And maybe another time he wrestled as punk rock Wayne Ferris.
2: Yeah, uh Wayne came in to San Antonio. Uh-oh. I ah, got a little overzealous there. But uh Wayne came into San Antonio for Buck Robley. and Larry Latham came in. <coughs> Billy Spears, sorry, I got the COVID. Uh that's, that's not a funny. joke, people. I'm not just kidding. Funny. God damn, that's all I need. Get out. Bruce Pritchard has COVID. No, I do not. Never have. Never will. Uh, <laughs> never will. <laughs> like That's
0: fucking up to you.
2: It is up to me.
0: Okay. I, yeah. I forgot. There is no sick, damn it. Let's get back. Yeah. Rock and roll. Wayne... Rock and
2: roll, Wayne Ferris, and uh, Buck Rogley. So they came through San Antonio. And this was during a terribly dark time where business was the drizzling shits and Buck was bringing in, um, is Paul Bosch, these toothless hillbillies from Tennessee and Alabama. And they they just, they were smaller and had the, you know, Tennessee had a different style. There, There were a lot of bumps and a lot of spots and, and Texas was a big man's territory where, you didn't do a lot of spots. Weren't, weren't a lot of bumps. It was a little bit more serious and these guys were out there. just flip flopping and flying all over the place.
0: Let's, uh, let's keep it going here. Let's talk about the honky tonk man. Okay, okay.
2: I'm sorry. Wait, 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 shit. So I'm, 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 so Wayne came in and he had the long blonde hair, real long blonde hair, and he looked kind of like Jimmy Valiant had a little, uh, handlebar mustache, you know, I think he had a black beard. And he was just rock, You know, Hey, Hey buddy, how you doing? Rock and roll Wayne Ferris, Wayne Ferris. How you doing, buddy? Wayne Ferris. Nice to meet you. And he just was the, the character of honky Tonk man was kind of who Wayne Ferris really is in some, in some ways, some ways it is some ways it really isn't, but he became that character. Well,
0: let's talk about the honky Tonk man character. A honky talk is, uh, well, for some of you who may not be from the South, it's a bar that provides country music for entertainment of its patrons and the style of music played in said establishments. The term originally referred to risque variety shows in the areas of the old West and the actual theaters showing them. And as a style of music, honky-tonk was pretty roaring in the fifties. And then in March 56, the country singer and writer, Jimmy Horton released a hit song called honky-tonk man. It peaked at number nine on the country charts. Uh, hockey winds up making his debut for Stampede Wrestling, believe it or not, in Calgary in 1982. He calls himself Honky Tonk Wayne, a name the hearts came up with that he didn't like. He already had gear that said Honky Tonk, man, having had that character uh, on his way in. But he said travel in Stampede was brutal, and Hockey said Stu stretched him on the front porch the first time they met. What do you think that must have
2: sounded like, Bruce? Yeah, yeah. See, hunky, uh, yeah. Come here, hunky. Yeah. What if I put your elbow here, back over the other ear? <laughs> you sick bastard! Scream, bitch. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if you look, man, you're a Stu's turf. You're in his home. You're getting stretched, bitch. Yeah. Right. Come here. He'd love you. Oh, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, here. here. yeah. yeah. How about if you, uh, there's a bone. Yeah, he fucking just uh he'd have fun. With you. He would
0: you. A lot of people probably are like, "Wait a minute. Honky-tonk, man. I thought that was a southern gimmick. Canada. But there was a big like a uh, cowboy population if you will in that territory, right?"
2: Absolutely. And and to be clear, you know, you said that You know, a honky-tonk was a place that just had country music, actually. A honky-tonk had, you know, both kinds of music, country and western. And it was just a down-home place where you could go belly up to the bar and get you an ice-cold beer. Not just a cold, fucking refrigerated beer. There's a difference. Ice-cold beer is beer that's like fucking down deep in that fucking ice, and the ice starts to melt, and shit becomes one with the bottle. So it's like frigid ice cold. And that's the only way to drink beer. And that's how you got your beer in the goddamn honky-tonk.
0: Honky says he has a dispute with Stu here and winds up going to work for Al Tomco for almost a year. Again, this time as the honky-tonk man. And then he buries the hatchet with Stu, goes back there for a while. And around that same time, the honky-tonk man winds up on a WWF show at the Calgary Saddle Dome that Stu was involved in. And at that show, allegedly... Hulk Hogan took Honky into the bathroom and asked why he hasn't joined up with the WWF yet. The two had known each other from much earlier in their careers, but hadn't met up in some time until that event. And of course, by then, Hulk Hogan's on top of the world. And Honky said he didn't think he was good enough, but Hulk disagreed and said, "No, you're good as anyone." And he says the next morning he would get a call from Vince, and Honky says, "Sure enough, the next morning the phone rang, and he prepared for his next step in life." the world wrestling federation and he admits that he was a nervous wreck during that call with vince and i guess in this era i mean i guess these days too man if you're a professional wrestler trying to make your name and vince mcmahon calls your phone it's a pretty damn big deal
2: well sure especially when you're working in calgary and just trying to get by so wayne is freezing his ass off in calgary and the hulkster And I always heard the story. I heard the story from, you know, the other side from Hulk and actually from Vince as well, that Hulk had had seen Wayne. I think he, I want to say that he saw a man like in Alabama or continental during one of the stints there where Hulk and honky had cross paths. And then seeing him in Calgary saw the gimmick and fell in love with the gimmick said, man. This gimmick is tailor made for the WWF. Told Vince about. Says we got to get this guy. We got to bring him in. He's he's going to be huge, you know, and and people are going to love him. He's he's a he's a fucking natural, charismatic baby face. Rest, as they say, is history.
0: Yes, it is. It's pretty remarkable. That this is a real thing. Hawkey said, seeing the huge crowd that the WWF played to in Calgary really made him want to go there and realize this really is the big time. Plus everybody in wrestling had been hearing about the big paydays and he was hearing the same thing from the bulldogs who occasionally came back. And of course, Brett was there and he says hearing of their paydays made him want to do it even more. And he said that Vince called Stu to make sure his obligations weren't broken in Stu's mind. And that week he got to meet with Vince and bring a tape. And he winds up getting the job. I'm fascinated by those little details. And I know you get annoyed with me wanting all the little minutia of the time, but did everybody bring a tape to a meeting with Vince or would He had already have seen it. It does feel a little weird. Like, okay, let's pop your tape in and watch it together, pal.
2: Well, again, man, you didn't have cable then. So it wasn't like you could go either to cable and or the internet and just, Oh, Hey, let me see this guy. Let me type him in the old Google machine and take a look at him. You you didn't have that. So it was word of mouth or by videotape and or both. So not unusual at all. That's shit. How you showed what you could do.
0: How often did did Vince do that? I mean, it does feel like, it's such an interesting dynamic. Like, can you imagine if, if Vince calls Bill Watts and says, just want to make sure that dog is really finished up with you. Like on the, on some level, it feels like we're bitter competition, but with Stu, maybe because of the relationship with Brett and of course, and, and the bulldogs, perhaps you just feel like hey, that's a little different, right?
2: Stu wasn't bitter competition. Right. And, and Stu was... In many ways, family, and you know, I I really believe that shit had Vince had the opportunity with a lot of them. Again, he did go to everybody and did say, "Hey, let's work together." And guys like Bill Watts and the Sheik and uh, Crockett and all those guys were like, "No, man, we'll we'll kill you." And he said, "Okay, I'm going to do it anyway." So, you know, he was working with Stu. He being Vince and Vince, you have respect for Sue and let him know just good business.
0: Here's where the story gets really fun and a little weird. In early 86, a young Dwight Yoakam released his version of hockey Tonk man. And Yoakam's rendition is even a bigger hit than the original. It debuts at number 74 on the country chart on March 1st, 86. And it charged for 24 weeks on that chart, peaking at number three in June of 86. And this is the debut single on his debut album that he self-financed. In other words, the honky-tonk man put not only Wayne Ferris on the map, but Dwight Yoakam. And three months after the song hits its peak, what do you know? The honky-tonk man joins the WWE. Talk about timing, right? Is honky-tonk man one of the biggest, you know, uh, right time, right place. I mean, this is one of those great stories, is it not?
2: Timing is everything. Shit, yeah. brother, love was the same thing from the standpoint of Jim and Tammy Faye and uh, Jessica Hahn and everything. It's a beautiful thing right. when it all works out and a plan comes together. It's like, okay, hey, yeah, we planned it, but it's sometimes it's just fate, and it was and it's good fate. And speaking of old uh, Dwight Yoakam, uh, talked to John Paul Shellnut. We talked about him last week. I'm just going to give you an update because, see, it's a common denominator here, Connie. Dwight Yoakam and John Paul Shelnut are good friends. Sure. And so the other night when I had, it was talking to John Paul on one of my drive homes at 2.30 in the morning, he had just hung up with Dwight Yoakam. Oh, wow. We called checking on him and shit. So uh, JP is is still, you know, he, he's, he's still not in great condition. So we still need those prayers and those good thoughts to old John Paul Shellnut there, and he's uh, he's moved to a, a rehab hospital and still doesn't have uh, any movement in his left side. So we, we gotta just uh, give him, send him some good thoughts there in Houston, Texas, and we love you, J.P. But John, but Dwight Yoakam, see how it ties in, because he's just a honky tonk man. Are you, hop- like version better than
0: Are you hopped up on Mountain Dew? So he makes his TV debut for you guys on September 28th, 1986 on wrestling challenge, beating the venerable Terry Gibbs. And for folks who don't know, honky talk, man was a baby face is going to debut as a good guy with suspenders, which seems really strange looking back and in interviews, Honky said kids. At least in Vince's mind, kids wearing little sideburns and bar, and buying merchandise to look like him was going to be the way to go. Can you imagine? I mean, listen, who, I mean, not too long after this, y'all are going to debut a couple of guys who come lick kids on the way to the ring. So stranger things have happened. But kids with little sideburns. I don't know why, but that's freaking hilarious to me.
2: I am just a honky talk kid. He's a honky tonk kid. He's a honky tonk kid. Why not?
0: I, listen, you're exactly right. You've made more money doing this than me. It's just like, what? Of course, everyone else thought the same thing. It was a total flop. I know this predates you, but the honky-tonk man is a baby face. What do you think of this?
2: Well, I, I remember watching it from afar and thinking, God damn, you wanted to slap the shit out of him. Right. It was just very annoying, and, and it was so over the top and Wayne was trying so hard that as a, as a viewer, it didn't feel real. And the fact that I think that, well, I don't think I know they were banking on the nostalgia, the Elvis tie in. Everybody loves Elvis, right? Right. Can't boo a fucking Elvis impersonator. No. So they're going to love honky tonk, man. They you know in that el even in that Elvis world, if you're not really good at doing Elvis Oh they hate you. Fuck you, man. You know, go, no, shave your head, motherfucker. Get them sideburns off you. You don't deserve to wear those sideburns like the king.
0: Boy, I don't so, know why they, that's funny to me, but it is.
2: You don't deserve yeah, them sideburns. Well, well you don't. <laughs> motherfucker, if you can't no. You shave that shit off. You ain't no goddamn king.
0: All right, so here's the deal a lot of us give up after summertime. Yeah, I'm talking about your lawn. You don't want to leave that thing looking brown like your neighbors are going to do. Right now, before the colder months, this is actually the best time to work on your lawn. This year, I started GetSundays.com custom lawn care plan. To help my lawn thrive through the fall and get a head start on spring and i gotta tell you this was a game changer for me because i didn't really know a lot about lawn care i knew how to pay somebody else to do it but i had i guess what you would call a brown thumb but sunday is making taking care of your lawn easier than ever here's what i did i went to their website typed in my home address they've got a free lawn analysis tool that did the rest for me in just a few seconds, Sunday gave me a custom lawn plan based on my soil, climate, and lawn. They've got fortifying nutrients like seaweed extract, iron, and calcium, and that's all gonna build plant strength and encourage root growth for a late season greenup. And they sent everything I needed right to my door, and oh yeah, they did it with free shipping. Sunday explained exactly what I was getting, and more importantly, they explained why. That's what I needed. I didn't have to be a lawn care expert to understand. I thought I needed expensive equipment or some sort of green thumb to make my grass healthy again. Not with Sunday. It's as easy as attaching the included nozzle sprayer and watering your lawn. You can do that. Lawn care used to cost me hundreds of dollars or take up my whole freaking weekend. Now it takes less than 15 minutes. Best of all, it's only 59 bucks. You don't need hundreds of dollars or a degree in soil science to have a great lawn. Just get Sunday. Visit GetSunday.com and try a custom lawn plan for as little as $59. After getting $10 off with our promo code "Something to Wrestle" at checkout. That's GetSunday.com, and the promo code is "Something to Wrestle." Can't recommend this enough. Check it out. GetSunday.com, and the promo code is "Something to Wrestle." I'm glad you did. Let's keep it going Hi. here. He debuts as a babyface, as we said. Total flop. He has no real angles the first several months he's there. Of course, still as a babyface. His early matches were against the likes of Lanny Poffo or SD Jones. And he says a lot of that was to test the ability of his work. And I don't know why, but the idea that SD Jones and Lanny Poffo were the precursor to Sean Waltman fucking tickles me.
2: What are you trying to say?
0: Honky talk man's. I
2: don't think and S. D. Jones are great workers.
0: Oh, I know Lanny's got one spot that he can get over, but I'm just saying. Come on, Sean Waltman's a better wrestler than those guys. Oh my god. Honky soon cuts a series of promos with Jesse the Body Ventura asking fans for a vote of confidence. And he said that this was Jesse Ventura's ideas. And he says that the uh the new promos from Honky here are actually gonna insult fans. And the polls come back overwhelmingly negative. This is his heel turn, man. That's great shit, pal.
2: Well, it, because it was real, man. And I think that there was a big part of it that <laughs> for Vincent company, that how can you not love the honky talk man? And for real, the audience the more that you ask for that vote of confidence, just, la- just let the Hawk Talk Man know how much you love him and, and how you're waiting for the Hawk Talk Man to sing because you usually won't see him sing a dance. That the more that the audience puked on him, it was almost like, oh my God, they're right. rejecting him. The thicker it became.
0: Great shit. Hawk is going to re embrace that cocky persona. He's going to get paired up with the mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart. And I guess this is, uh, I mean, clearly we're going for the Elvis impersonator gimmick, as you said. And so they're even going to bill uh, Jimmy Hart as the Colonel Jimmy Hart for Honky's matches, a reference to Colonel Tom Parker. And he's even going to come out with Peggy Sue, who at the time would either be <laughs> Sherry Martel or unbelievably, Jimmy Hart in drag. Well, or anything wrong with that? No, no, no. I'm just asking. Like, just want to clarify. It wasn't always Sherry Martell. Sometimes it's Jimmy Hart,
2: brother. It's little Jimmy. Oh, honky tonk, man.
0: Yeah. He, I guess, you know, on that day, he put his beans and taters and something else. I don't know. Beans and taters? Well, yeah, you know, we, we talked about that when we did that event here with Jimmy in Huntsville where he would be plugging his beach bar a thousand miles away by saying that we've got the NFL Sunday ticket and we even serve beer in cans. Cause you can't have glass on the beach, baby. And of course we know Jimmy's favorite foods are beans and taters. So that was the and special cheese. there. Yeah. But canned beans, canned taters. This is what your boy Jimmy eats on a pretty steady diet. So we freestyled that here on the show, which I realized was years ago and it was a deep cut for you. But there was the double entendre of beans and taters. Yes, you're right.
2: Beans and taters. Yeah. So just still don't get the beans and taters. I get taters and Franks or beans and Franks, but he, he's a frank and beans, frank and beans, but I don't get the beans and taters. Jimmy beans
0: Hart is, is a lot like Tony Schiavone. They're, they're probably both big fans of canned food. As Tony, Tony and I discuss sometimes commonly referred to as hobo food. Okay. <laughs> Believe it or not, in 1988, Dave Meltzer wrote that he loved the honky talk man, Peggy Sue Duro. And in, hon- in uh, the interviews, honky talk man would of course put over working with Jimmy Hart. That's back in the day, but also to these days and in shoot interviews. And he says that he has a lot of his success to Jimmy Hart for pushing him in times that honky would want to slow down. He says, Jimmy was always pushing him to do more. And his first major feud, boy, is it a big one. It's with Jake the Snake Roberts. And this is right as Jake is turning babyface. And this would be the first feud that would sort of set the tone for his run as a fan favorite. And you talk about the snake pit from February twenty first, nineteen eighty seven, right before you come in. It's the most remembered moment of the rivalry. It happens when Jake says honky nearly killed him. They've got this cave like set to recreate Stone Mountain, Georgia of the Snake Pit. And Honky's going to attack Roberts with a guitar that didn't shatter. Like say a Jeff Jarrett guitar, 10 years later, instead Jake appeared to take a very stiff shot. And after staggering, he collapses. And Jake has even said that I think Pat Patterson's man, Louie went out to buy the best guitar he could for the segment, but they didn't really gimmick it. So two desks in his neck explode when he gets hit. And you can even see that Jake is out on his feet. And, uh, he said that his wife was even pulling fiberglass pieces out of his back for weeks after that. And for better or worse, Jake would even say that this is the moment that he started to become dependent on prescription painkillers. And of course, Honky disputes that saying that the guitar was so gimmick. He almost broke it with his thumb. Talk to me a little bit about this. I know this sort of predates you, but I'm sure you've heard that story that, man, this is what got me in a bad way.
2: Well, as far as the guitar being gimmick, I wasn't there, but I heard the story that they did gimmick the guitar. However, they're in most guitars, at least decent ones that you actually want to play, they have a rod like a stabilizer rod that goes right through the middle of the damn thing. And no one knew to go in and take that out Mm. or to buy a really cheap shitty guitar that wouldn't have that in it. So when, it may have been gimmicked, but when Wayne hit Jake, apparently, this rod is what hit him with no give in it because it's a stabilizer. And that's what really fucked Jake up um, and hurt him. You know, the rest of it, you know, Jake's Jake, Jake's great worker. And whether he was actually out or not, who knows? It looked great. But yeah, that was, uh, cause for years after that gimmicking guitars, I, I got a lesson in gimmicking guitars as far as <laughs> he, first of all, you don't buy a guitar with the rod in it. Right. And, and how to make sure that the damn thing's going to break. So that was, it was gimmicked, but it was gimmicked improperly from the standpoint of, they didn't know this rod was in there.
0: Right. Well, let's talk about the feud here. It's going to culminate at WrestleMania three. Most people remember that of course she had Jake come out with Alice Cooper beforehand. Honky would be interviewed by Mary Hart. And honky's gone on record as saying there were so many people in the building that day that from his perspective, when he was in the ring, they all looked like ants because they were so far away. But he said that the schedule was so hectic that he had been on the road for something crazy, like 50 days straight. And I'm sure that's in a bit of an exaggeration, but it was a crazy breakneck schedule. He says because of that, he couldn't have enjoyed this as much as maybe he would have liked to, but he did remember that it was Jake's idea to have Alice Cooper involved. And then Alice was very nervous holding the snake. And then honky was talking so much trash during the match that Alice almost forgets to jump in the ring. As a reminder, Jake would wind up on the losing side of that match. Honky wins by grabbing the ropes to score that tainted pin. It's a big moment. I mean, is this the biggest moment in wrestling history? Do you think I'm not saying that to be funny, but WrestleMania three has got to be up there, right?
2: Oh, I think the WrestleMania is. Definitely, especially for that time. And it was the first and the biggest of those big stadium shows on a grand scale. So yeah, WrestleMania three will go down in history is, you know, that's the one that was Hulk Andre. That was 93,000. That set at the time, the indoor attendance record. And yes, I think that it, it will always go down as one of the greatest moments in this fucking sport. So to be anywhere near that had to be a kick in the ass. I remember just being involved in the business and getting that phone call from Vince the, the night before WrestleMania 3 about this little pay-per-view he's doing. Um, just to, to know that our business and our industry could put a spectacle like that on was a proud, proud moment. Something really cool to be a part of.
0: On the June 13th, 1987 episode of Superstars, something major happens. The Honky Tonk Man wins the Intercontinental Championship from Ricky the Dragon Steamboat when Honky reverses Steamboat's inside cradle and grabs onto the bottom ropes for that extra leverage and nails the pin. And uh, he says they only had three or four return matches. And according to the rumor and innuendo, Honky was originally meant to be a transitional champion to only hold the title belt for a short period of time until Jake Roberts failed drug tests following WrestleMania because of that Honky was booked to remain champion for what would wind up being a record setting run before we talk about the other rumor that everybody thinks we're going to get to. And we are, do you remember this being the case that the original plan was, for Jake to become intercontinental champion and then maybe his substance situation gave Vince pause. Otherwise
2: I don't really know. And that was when I was first coming into the company. So that may have been something that they had talked about previous. I know that the idea was to go with Honky and Jake post WrestleMania, but you know, honky getting the intercontinental championship was kind of a fluke thing with steamboat. Yeah. After mania. Um, so I don't really know if they were ever planning on putting it on Jake or not. I don't think so because Vince would always look at Jake as a guy that didn't need the title. Sure. And the gimmick of the snake was big enough.
0: Pro tip for you. We're in just a couple of minutes. You could save a boatload of cash and make your life a whole heck of a lot easier with no money out of pocket. Would you do it? Of course I'm talking about SaveWithConrad.com. just to ask Bruce up in Warren, Michigan. He went to save with conrad.com, saved a boatload of cash, left us a five-star review, and here's what he had to say. Our experience from start to finish was fantastic. My wife, Kelly, and I had never gone through a refi before and didn't know what to expect. David and Jennifer answered all of our questions quickly, thoroughly. Now we have the ability to pay off our credit cards and make improvements to our home, like new windows, a new furnace and a new air conditioner. The big plus is we'll have the mortgage paid off before we retire. Thanks to the whole team for making our dreams a reality. And no, thank you, Bruce. We appreciate your listening to the podcast. And of course your faith and confidence in me to go to savewithconrad.com. Now, if you're listening to me and you're thinking, man, I'd like to pay my house off faster and with cheaper monthly payments. And it might be nice to skip my next two house payments but what if at the same time i could make some home improvements around the house and upgrade some stuff turn my house into my dream home with no money out of pocket listen i know that sounds too good to be true but it really is reality we're routinely helping our podcast listeners in more than 40 states now keep more of their own money and make life a little easier And we can do this for you too now even with credit scores in the 500 it's no cost no obligation And man, if we can't save you money, we won't waste your time. So what are you waiting for? Get a quick quote right now at savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. And oh, by the way, no house payments for two months. That's right. You won't have to make your August or your September payment. You're done until October 1st. Find out how much money you can save right now for free at savewithconrad.com. It is pretty remarkable. I
1: don't know about
0: that one. Listen. I admit it does seem unrealistic because I tend to think like you do that Vince would have went, ah, he doesn't need it because it's sort of weird to think about Jake being the champion of anything, because as you said, and sometimes we make fun of that, but Jake really didn't need it. Um, let's talk about what everybody else has sort of alluded to that. It was really supposed to be Butch Reed as the original choice. So let's set aside the whole Jake rumor, but allegedly, um Steamboat is not necessarily thrilled with the schedule, wants to take some time off. Maybe it's the payoff, maybe it's being away from the family, maybe it's Bonnie, whatever it is. He wants to leave, so now we've got to get the belt off him after that historic match he just had at WrestleMania. It feels like a silly time to leave, but it's the steamboat story. Allegedly, Butch Reed was supposed to be the guy. To take that win and the championship from Ricky Steamboat that night. But for whatever reason, Butch Reed wasn't there. That's the rumored innuendo that he no showed and just missed the date. And allegedly, Honky gives credit to this run to Hulk Hogan because supposedly he's in the back having a conversation with Vince. Vince is expressing the whole situation with the Intercontinental title. And Honky says, Hey, what about him remembering his old pal honky-tonk man? And we knew that honky had heat and for whatever reason, Vince went with it. What's real. What's not was butchery considered for the spot a and B was Hulk Hogan. The guy who said, what about him with honky-tonk?
2: I definitely believe the part about Hulk, um, in suggesting honky-tonk to be the intercontinental champion and that I would, I would put money on that that actually happened as far as Butch wouldn't shock me, but I, I I didn't hear that at the time. It was, it was, we need a heel champion. We need somebody to beat steamboat. And I, I definitely did hear the thing with Hulk and Hulk and honky were friends. And I know that Hulk was always a big fan of the honky talk man gimmick. So, I could see Hulk going to Vince easily and saying, yeah, brother, what about him? I, that I could see in a heartbeat and even more so I could see Hulk campaigning even harder than that for honky because he just loved the gimmick that much.
0: Do you know if anyone else was considered besides honky for this run here?
2: Boy. Um, There was consideration, and again, I was new coming in, but there was consideration for Savage putting it back on Randy who had dropped it to Steamboat, But, and I'm sure that Butch was in that mix. But it just happened so damn fast with Steamboat that they had to make a decision pretty quick. And sometimes those decisions are, okay, we've got to make a decision, what's in front of me now, bam, let's go with it, we'll fix it later.
0: It's just remarkable to think that this story has become legendary and repeated forever and ever. When do you think the first time, I mean, when did you first hear this whole butch read story? Did it happen back then or was it when the night? When you ninth? told me? Really?
2: Yeah. Wow. So that's why I don't, that's why I don't put a whole lot of credence in it. Yeah. Cause Some I make up shit. a lot of times there's stories outside of, of the actual environment that are made up. But when that you never hear, because there's people know that you know what really happened type thing. So they're not going to go to you and say, Hey, you know, it was supposed to be Butch Reed, wasn't it? And if it wasn't, you know what I'm saying? Right. So there was no, I, I seriously never heard it until you brought it up to me.
0: It is pretty interesting to think about. I guess we should mention that. We've got a, well, this is a weird time. I don't know another way to say it, but it's a weird time because the honky talk man had been the champ for a little while before it ever aired on TV. And of course, these days that information would get out right away, but he actually wins the belt in Buffalo on June 2nd, 1987 at that superstars taping. And then later in the evening defends it with an enhancement talent. And we continue working around the loop with, you know, Paul Roma, Coco Beware. Uh, and then even famously on June 5th, just a few days after he wins, they're in Chicago at the Rosemont Horizon. And they do champion versus champion. Hulk Hogan versus the Honky Talk Man in the main event. How crazy is that?
2: I don't think it's crazy at all. Shit. Hockey was a hot fucking heel.
0: I'm not arguing that. I'm just saying to me, it's remarkable that. I don't know. It's just weird. Later that same month, by the way, in Tucson, he's defending the intercontinental title against Bruno Sam Martino in Arizona in 87. Uh, Jake Roberts was originally advertised for the spot. Bruno steps in. It just seems I don't know, make believe that we would have Bruno Sammartino wrestling the honky-tonk man for the intercontinental title.
2: You imagine how it felt to Bruno. (laughs) But I, I say, actually, I say that facetiously when, you know, Bruno worked with every gimmick that came through New York. Right. So, you know, a gimmick is a gimmick.
0: Let's, uh, let's keep it moving here and talk about what's next because we've got so many requests over this, over the years, I guess now's as good of a time to talk about it as any on September 21st, 1987 pile driver, the wrestling album. Number two was released on vinyl with a Coliseum video VHS also being released. This is the one with Hulk Hogan, wearing a hard hat and doing construction work. It's the only WWF slash WWE album that never had a CD release Really? Yeah. And track number three was Honky Tonk Man by the Honky Tonk Man. Uh, give us a little bit of a rendition here, Bruce.
2: Oh, there's a Honky Tonk Man. He's a Honky Tonk Man. I'm a Honky Tonk Man. He's a
1: Honky Tonk Man.
2: I'm a Honky Tonk man. man. I'm cool. I'm cocky. I'm bad. That's actually more John Paul Shellnut doing Honky Tonk Man than was doing Honky Tonk Man.
0: Well, it's pretty good, though. I mean, listen, I'll give you a little clap deal on that one.
2: Uh- he gave me the conrad gave me the clap
0: well a few people have said that over the years so in september of 87 Hawkey begins to work with the macho man randy savage and he says that he clicked with savage and really enjoyed working with him and he says that savage would trust him enough to interject elizabeth into the match and of course we've all heard that uh savage was overly protective of elizabeth so that's probably a vote of confidence when he trusts and maybe some of that is, you know, them sort of coming from the the same area. Of course, Savage worked Tennessee a lot earlier in his life, and I don't know. Feels like those guys would have got
2: would have gotten along just fine. Yeah, they did. And, and again, you know, Wayne was a married man, and uh, he was he was cool. There definitely was a trust factor there with Savage, and, and Savage. It wasn't that Savage didn't trust a lot of people. It was just that Savage was very cautious and protective of Liz. Didn't want to see her get hurt. She wasn't a trained worker, so he didn't want her to be a traditional manager, you know, tripping and passing the nuts type shit. Um, was just very protective of her.
0: Let's talk about September of 87 or I guess October rather. That's when we first see him on national TV. I guess it's October 3rd, 1987. Saturday night's main event, number 12, which was technically recorded on September 23rd in Hershey, PA. Savage almost defeats Honky until Jimmy Hart's Heart Foundation runs into the ring and attacks Randy. That gets Honky disqualified, but of course that means he retains. Miss Elizabeth is going to attempt to stop the attack on Savage, but believe it or not, Honky shoves her down which was a big deal and she flees, flees. she fled to the locker room as honky smashes the guitar over savage's skull what a moment that was i remember that like it was yesterday uh, but miss elizabeth returned with an ally hulk hogan who aids savage in running off the heels and this leads to the formation of the mega powers pretty big moment in wrestling history i wasn't even watching wrestling at the time but Right when I was getting in, I could see all about this in the magazines and this whole angle was big time stuff. Was it not?
2: Yeah, it was. I remember, uh, that was my first WrestleMania first WrestleMania. That was my first Saturday night's main event in Hershey. I think we'd done one before this, uh, that I was at in the summer, but that Hershey arena was so special the way that it was an all hockey arena, but it went straight up and was great for television tapings. It was a magical moment. It just was that, that really magical moment where Randy had been, the tide was turning with Randy so much. So really being popular during that time that this just solidified his, his superstar baby faced him. Right. With Hulk coming out and sprinkling the Hulk dust and getting involved and, and the beginning of that formation.
0: Let's talk about this match. It's the last high profile Savage Honky match on the undercard of nineteen eighty eight. It's the main event. It would see Honky lose by count out after Savage r- runs him into the ring post. And Honky had talked about in interviews wanting to quit before this match because he thought the original original plans would have buried his character. And he says he outright refused to do the job. And he's done a lot of shoot interviews about this with our friends, Sean Oliver over at kayfabe commentaries.com. And I think he famously told a story that Dick Eversall actually met with Randy and Liz without honky. And then they told honky afterwards what was going to happen. He was probably in his feelings a little bit thinking well they don't have any plans for me they're moving on for me and supposedly he refuses to do the job here because the original plan was he would drop the intercontinental title to randy savage and allegedly and again this is rumor and innuendo but supposedly when he refuses to drop the belt here because i believe the report was at the time DiBiase would go on to be champion and instead when honky says nope i'm not doing it they can't give the intercontinental title to randy so they program him for the world title at wrestlemania 4 he becomes the world champion million dollar man creates his own million dollar championship honky keeps his ic everybody's happy i'm sure you're gonna poke holes in that but that's certainly what a lot of wrestling fans have thought was supposed to happen for a long time can he bring any clarity now
2: So what did people think was
0: supposed to happen? That originally the plan was honky drops the IC to savage. DiBiase goes on to win the world title and we've got a a heel champion with baby faces chasing. But instead when honky refuses to placate him, to pacify him, if you will, we move him up to the main event and give him the world title and Ted DiBiase's opportunity to be champ is removed. So we give him the, Million dollar championship instead. I know you're going to poke holes in it. I'm ready for it. Tell us what really happened. Did honky refuse to drop the intercontinental title to Randy Savage?
2: I have no idea if honky refused to drop the intercontinental championship. However, I do know that the plans for Randy Savage to go on to win the championship at WrestleMania four were in the works In September, October of 1987. So the rest of that is probably folklore, rumor, innuendo.
0: Wait, hang on. So you're saying Honky is lying. He wasn't asked to
2: lose. I I said, I don't know that. I didn't say he was lying at all. You said that. I didn't say that. Okay, but I said, I don't know if he refused to lose. I have no idea if he did or not. Well, here's my question, I can tell Bruce. you the plan for Randy Savage was not some, not the result of something that happened in October that, okay, we're well, not going to put the Intercontinental title on him. We're going to put uh, the world title on him. No, that was planned long before that. For okay. For Survivor Series to go the Hulk and Andre and the teams – and then have the February main event with uh, Hulk and Andre and the title and all that shit to do the tournament.
0: let's, Let's just give it a little leeway here. And let's say perhaps Honky has his dates confused. Instead of it being main event in early 88, maybe it is the Saturday night's main event, number 12, that was recorded in September of 87. It doesn't air until October. Perhaps that was the... I mean, that's when they did the whole... Heart Foundation runs in. We shove Elizabeth the whole deal. Is that possible or plausible? Because you said that, hey, by no,
1: because
2: in Vince's mind, he was getting the title. He needed to get the title off of Hogan because where Hogan was going, to do and a he movie had a plan for Savage. The whole DiBiase thing was just people talking about how great of a champion that DiBiase was. That when you go back into nineteen eighty seven. And Crockett buying out Bill Watts that one of the rumor and innuendos and one of the things that was discussed was Ted DiBiase being the guy to be the NWA world heavyweight champion and beat Flair. When he came back from Japan and goes to Crockett, that was kind of like, but again, rumor and innuendo, right? That was the scuttlebutt. That was the buzz. This is all just rumor and innuendo of people saying, oh yeah, wouldn't DB out. I know what they're going to do now, but internally that wasn't the case.
0: All right, check this out. I've got a little life hack for you right now. If you're a smoker, I'm talking about Lucy and what's great about Lucy. And I really mean this is they found a cleaner alternative for nicotine. They found a better alternative for nicotine. That's right. Finally, there's a tobacco alternative that doesn't suck. Don't take my word for it. Check out their story. Lucy has done a little R&D. That's research and development for you plebeians. They did this for three years to make sure that they had the perfect product for people, not patients. Lucy has created a nicotine gum with four milligrams of nicotine that comes in three great flavors. Wintergreen, cinnamon, and pomegranate. They've even got a lozenge with four milligrams of nicotine and a cherry ice flavor. And you can only find these great flavors with Lucy. And by the way, here's what's best about Lucy. It's convenient and discreet. You can enjoy these products literally anywhere at the gym, at the house, at the office, on the go, on a flight. And that is a game changer. I think I've told this story before here on the show, but my parents were smokers my whole life and where we went, how we got there, what car we took what restaurant we went to, where we went on vacation, whose house came to where, all of that was dictated by cigarettes. Don't do that, it's 2020. Throw out your damn cigarettes, unplug your stupid vape, throw out your nasty dip and get some Lucy nicotine gum or lozenges. This is the real deal. A subscription to Lucy comes directly to your door each month and it's so simple, you don't have to leave your house because Lucy has delivery down. And right now, the something to wrestle with listeners can go to lucy.co and use promo code wrestle to get 20% off all their products, including gum or lozenges. That's lucy.co and just use our promo code wrestle at checkout. Also, I have to give you this disclaimer. Warning, this product contains nicotine derived from tobacco. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Duh. Lucy.co is where you need to go and be sure to use that promo code wrestle to save yourself 20% off. If you're a smoker, you owe it to yourself to check this out. It's lucy.co. Be sure to use that promo code, Russell. Okay, but listen, it's not people saying that on the outside. It's the fucking honky-tonk man who says they wanted me to lose, and I said no. Now, let's just go down there.
2: And maybe he did. Let's play that out. Maybe he did.
0: Let's play it out. So the original idea, according to you, was He's going to drop the Intercontinental to Randy Savage and then Randy Savage is going to go win the tournament and unify the Intercontinental and World title. In I never heard
2: that, not one time. Well, then who? Hulk- I never but I never heard I never heard that uh he wanted Honky to drop the title. The right. whole deal was to shoot the angle to bring Hulk and Savage together.
0: So you don't believe that that Honky was asked to lose the title
2: here. That's right. Wouldn't surprise me if he was and that he refused. That wouldn't surprise me at all. I'm telling you that I don't know that. And I'm not going to lie to you like Dave Meltzer and all these oh, other Jesus. People and tell you, report rumor and innuendo. If Honky says that that happened, then Honky was there. He would know if it happened or not. I wasn't there for that. Was I there early on for the idea of Randy Savage winning the title at WrestleMania Four? Yes, I was. I can speak to that. I can speak to that directly because I was a part of that. I witnessed that. I heard that. I was a part of that. And was I ever a part of hearing a story about Honky refusing to win the title and that the idea was for Randy Savage to win the Intercontinental title and DiBiase to win the WWF title? No. That discussion did not happen. Not with me. You got to
0: get hot about it.
2: Oh, I do get hot about it because, again, I'm not calling hockey talk man a liar. And that'll probably get out on the fucking sheets and all this other bullshit and how people fucking misconstrue things that you say instead of actually listening to what the fuck I say. And it's... Hang on, you hang listen on. listen to exactly what I'm... not hang on, listen. What I'm exactly saying is, is that, yes, there was a plan early on for Savage. Was there ever a plan for DiBiase? No. Was there a discussion amongst the boys and amongst people about what if and wouldn't Ted DiBiase be a great champion? Sure. Yes. As far as the plans and what we were doing at that time to put Hulk and Savage together to get to the fucking whole Andre shit and WrestleMania 4 and the tournament and crown Savage. Dude, that was planned early on.
0: okay well honky-tonk man allegedly uh spoke to jim barnett during this time and was even considering jumping ship over to the nwa slash what's going to become wcw and he says that vince was furious learning this but i think honky felt like he had no other choices because no one was communicating with him or telling him what the future plans were and he says he got a vibe from the office after this that he couldn't be trusted So let's poke holes in it. Let's play devil's advocate. Did you hear of honky-tonk man pushing back at all? Did you hear of him speaking to Jim Barnett? Did you hear of there being a threat of him perhaps jumping ship? Did you hear of Vince perhaps losing faith or confidence in Wayne Ferris here?
2: Yeah, totally lost faith in him. It was so horrible that we kept the title on him for another nine months. Think about that. Vince lost faith in him, and Vince didn't like him and didn't want him around and didn't trust him, then why would he leave the championship on him for another nine months and build Honky as much as we did? Does so, that make any sense? Well,
0: okay. Perhaps it's sour grapes from Honky. But
2: I mean, but does it make sense to you? That's the question. Does that make sense? This guy he cannot be trusted. I don't like him. He's dis- He's a malcontent. He's all this... So I'm going to leave my one of my biggest championships and I'm going to feature him and I'm going to invest all this time and money in him because he can't be trusted?
0: Does well, that make sense? You're going to beat him pretty straight up in a handful of months here. Very, very quickly. And he doesn't really do much after that.
2: From from September until fucking the next August.
0: No, 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 no. We're that's what you, that's what you're, you're no, saying. That's no, 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 no. Let's run through this. I, I gave you a hypothetical. I told you this happened on the main event where they did the double Hebner bullshit in early 88. So that would have been what? February, March.
2: No. And, okay. Double Hebner. Okay. February. And then he loses his title in August. Yeah. If there was no trust in, this guy's, nobody wants him around. Why not take the title off of him at WrestleMania? All
0: right. I just want to be clear here for the record. Vince was not upset that he spoke to Jim Barnett about jumping ship while he was. I in I have no idea if Champions. he
2: was or not, but my, to me, the theory and to say that Vince came and said, oh, I'm pissed off at honky tonk, man. No.
0: So if Vince is pissed at you, he's pulling the belts off of you.
2: I have no idea. I'm saying that you're asking me. Yeah. And you if said, I know, no, but no, your, your, your reason I'm for saying, saying logically, look at it, logically, look at it. If somebody is getting ready to jump ship, if you're upset with someone, get ready to jump shit and you don't trust them anymore. Same. What, what you said that felt there wasn't trust there. Then why would you leave him in a position? And why would you continue to invest in that character? No, I got it.
0: I mean, you told me straight up right there. We understand now.
2: That doesn't make any sense.
0: No, I mean, I'm sure Vince was fine with it because he left the belt on him. It's not a big deal. Uh, the feud is blown off a few weeks before WrestleMania 4 and at WrestleMania 4, his next feud begins. And of course, it's with Brutus, the fucking, fucking barber. A! Beefcake. Yes! Beefcake gets him in a sleeper when Colonel Jimmy Hart causes the DQ to save the title. The feud continues until SummerSlam, which was supposed to be Beefcake's last shot at the title. And then a twist happens. The late outlaw Ron Bass would attack Beefcake with one of his spurs on TV, causing a bloody scene that was censored by a big X in the replays. And I got to tell you, man, as a kid, I was fascinated by this big X and wanted to see what was happening around it. And if I could pause the VCR enough, I could see pretty ingenious stuff to do here in 1988. What do you remember about this angle?
2: Oh God, I loved it. And the, and the big X was, we made sure that the X was positioned in the way that is the camera moved. You got to see a little bit. Oh my God, the crimson mask. And you just got to see bits and pieces and enough to really be scared and and just b- appalled at that but at the same time it was so terrible we had to exit out it's kind of like the, the bar across the boobs in the old uh, newspaper print magazines
0: for one so that, year two months and 27 days the honky tonk man was intercontinental champion
2: greatest intercontinental champion of all time baby
0: and he said it often enough that people believed it And with beefcake out of action, honky has no idea who his opponent is going to be at SummerSlam 1988. It's a mystery. And honky tonk man comes out, does a promo Madison square garden sold out huge pay-per-view. And he says, it doesn't matter who it is. Just send somebody out and I'm going to beat them. And of course, Jim Johnston's famed ultimate warrior music hits. And Honky loses in a super squash to the Ultimate Warrior, who was going absolutely nuts, along with the crowd. I mean, a gigantic crowd. The fans were really with Warrior here. And he would even tell our friend Sean Oliver over at KFABE Commentaries, this was a good payday. And he says the payday was more than he expected, but WrestleMania 3 was less than expected. He is going to wind up doing a handful of return matches with Warrior. And he said he was happy enough with those matches. He felt like he uh, accomplished all he could. And he had some creative input. He says, I accomplished what needed to be accomplished. I got him over right away. He was an automatic store, a star right away. It was good for the company because they needed someone fast to get over. And he told Sean Oliver, it didn't hurt me to lose to the warrior. I got to tell you, I'm pretty surprised by those comments. I would think that anybody, especially honky talk man, as vocal as he's been over the years, when you talk about him losing so quickly and allegedly being the same guy who a few months before didn't want to lose now doing so, so willingly and so quickly, uh, that's a little hard to process.
2: Well, again, it kind of goes back to what I said before and your word allegedly, right? So I think rumor, innuendo, and folklore, in reality, two different things. And Honky didn't have a problem. And I think it was um, the right thing to do for Warrior. Obviously, Honky agrees with that. And it was the right thing to do for business. And it was good. But I'll also tell you that, that Honky didn't ever let him press slam him again after that. and not gra- Or at least he didn't grab him by the nuts. That's for damn sure. He only did that one time. Here's the thing.
0: I want to believe you. I want to believe that honky didn't try to protest losing the belt to savage. I want to believe that. No, he is the guy that just willingly and knowingly was like, yeah, I'll lose to warrior in a couple seconds. No big deal. But we know that Eric Bischoff says when he was TV champ, he refused to drop the belt to Mark Marrow. Just, I don't know. I, I tend to believe that Honky's the type of guy who would draw a line in the sand for the sake of business and his own livelihood, and sort of save his own neck. You disagree?
2: Yeah, we had different experiences. Maybe I handled Honky Tonk Man differently than Eric did. Maybe okay. Vince handled Honky differently than Eric did. I don't know.
0: Well, I'm sure you paid him more for sure. All right, boys and girls, I need you to do me a favor. Of course, you know if you listen to something, to wrestle. You probably also listened to What Happened When with Tony Schiavone. It comes out on Wednesday. I hope you'll check it out if you haven't already. But I need a favor. Our old pal Tony Schiavone has never had an action figure. And I'm on a low key campaign to get him one, thanks to our friends over at Jazzwares. And here's what I need from you to make this happen go to Walmart and pick up AEW Unrivaled Series 1. They've got a brand new line of action figures on the shelves of Walmart. How cool is that? You can get the young Bucks, You can get Kenny Omega. You can get Chris Jericho. You can get Cody and Brandy Rhodes. You can even get a ring. But maybe my favorite thing is the toy belt. Everybody knows I'm a belt collector. This is like maybe the coolest toy belt ever. Not only does it look great on a shelf, which is what I'm doing with mine. Silva's got his little rugrats running around trying to argue about who's le champion. You can do this too now for just like less than 20 bucks. They're on the shelves of Walmart right now. Check it out at your nearest Walmart. Now I should mention these things are selling very fast. I've been told by people who are smarter than me in the space, these are going to be some of the more collectible figures because they're not printing a whole bunch of them. They've even got a chase figure and a rare figure that's really going to hike up the collectability. Our old pal, Ron Funches was even sweating on Twitter the other day when his wife wanted to open his figures. He's like, oh, they might want to keep these in the box. So if you find enough, here's a pro tip get two, one to save and one to play with. I think Zach Ryder used to say, let them breathe. Check it out, man. It's AEW unrivaled series one available now at Walmart. And of course you can pick up whatever you can't find at Walmart with our friends over at ringsidecollectibles.com. And don't forget to check out there. They've got a special scale ring with a special figure, but AEW on the shelves of Walmart. Listen guys, if series one is successful if you think we can't put the screws to him to get a tony shivani figure done come on we gotta he's never had a figure let's make this one a success let's get tony an action figure let's run to walmart and pick up aew series one in rivaled figures chris jericho kenny omega nick jackson matt jackson cody brandy Rhodes. they're all here and a ring and a toy belt come on check it out your nearest walmart's got it If they don't have what you're looking for, be sure to check out RingsideCollectibles.com, and we thank Jazzwares for sponsoring the podcast and humbly accepting our suggestion that we need a Tony Schiavone figure. Uh, July 18th, 1989, Hockey Talk Man works works three matches and a set of TV tapings: two against Hulk Hogan, one for an episode of Superstars of Wrestling. The other winds up on the Saturday night's main event from July 29th on NBC. We should also mention that in '89 he finds himself working with another Southern boy, the American Dream Dusty Rhodes. They even face off in a SummerSlam match in 1989. Dusty is going to win by pinfall. In shoot interviews, Honky was pretty critical of Dusty here in '89, and said that he was well lazy, and he even used some harsher words than that. And this is around the same time that Dusty was. Trying to get out of Dodge, I think, and head back to WCW. Is that a fair criticism of Dusty's work in 89? What say you? I,
2: yeah, I think so. I think Dream was kind of going through the motions at that time. Um, I don't know if Dusty wanted to work anymore at that level. Uh, if he did, he wanted to be on top. So, yeah, yeah sometimes dust dusty could be a little lazy dusty wanted to do what dusty wanted to do and to go out and beyond that sometimes you'd have to push dream a little bit honky-tonk man but I don't think dusty was a lazy person
0: no 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 I don't mean to give that impression just it feels like at least here he's like well I'm done here let me start working on my next thing yeah let's uh let's talk about Arsenio Hall he winds up on Arsenio Hall in 1989. You guys had a great relationship with Arsenio. Lots of big stars were there. It was a big part of my childhood. Hulk Hogan, Macho Man, Ultimate Warrior, on and on. But Honky Tonk Man here with Jimmy Hart, this is kind of a cool deal for Arsenio. What do you remember about him being on that show?
2: You know, here, here's the thing about Arsenio Hall. Arsenio was a huge fan. So Arsenio wanted to have guys on that he enjoyed. And Honky Tonk Man was somebody that Arsenio Halt genuinely enjoyed as a fan watching him. So when you have that, somebody that's willing to work with you, that's good shit. And Honky Tonk Man was the type of character that you can have fun with. And Honky didn't mind you having fun with it.
0: Great stuff. One day at the arena... Uh, Honky says he pitches losing to Jimmy snooker to help get him over. And Vince said, really with an intrigued tone and Honky thought he was done and going to be jobbed out. So he pitched this idea to work his way back up to make better money while still keeping a job. And he said he really enjoyed those matches too, because he and snooker worked their way up from a prelim position to a higher spot that paid more. And snooker even got a win over him at Madison square garden at the end of September. And he defeated him by DQ on superstars on a taping on Halloween. This Seville's like uh, a guy trying to make sure he can cement his long-term run and maybe back off of the stance that we've heard he took before that. I think maybe you still question a little bit.
1: Well, it, it,
2: look, I'm not questioning. I'm telling you that as far as my dealings, with Wayne Ferris through the years, haven't had a problem with the guy. Right. Straight up, you knew where you stood. And for me, always did what he was asked to do and was uh, a good straight up guy. I think that Honky is one of the most misunderstood People in, in the business, and maybe he earns his reputation. Maybe he has earned his reputation being difficult to deal with. He didn't earn it with me. So I can only speak to how he was with me and when I was around him.
0: Can you talk to us about his feud with uh, Superfly here?
2: Jimmy coming back in, and it, Jimmy needed somebody to work with that meant something but it was also somebody that could get the most out of Jimmy and find out what Jimmy had left in the tank. Right. So honky being an established heel was perfect for the, the baby face snooker, And it worked. I, I think we did the angle on the brother love show with the guitar and snooker where <laughs> I called Jimmy a savage or something. And then, uh, honky came from behind. Maybe I'm just in my head.
0: You're making shit up. Like you said, you didn't do.
2: Maybe I did. Yeah. I didn't do shit. You're right.
0: No, no, no. (laughs) I'm saying a minute ago, you said, I'm not going to lie to you. Like blah, blah, blah. Jesus. You're so sensitive.
2: Is it? your? I am fucking sensitive.
0: You wake up on the wrong side of the bed today.
2: I would have had to have been in the bed to wake it up on the wrong side. You're welcome. Woken. Woken. Yeah. To get up.
0: I'm just saying I'm your Don. I'm your John Stockton, baby survivor series 89 honkies on the oh, losing team oh, with Rick Martell, big boss, man. I'm not acknowledging you and bad news Brown. They're defeated by Brutus beefcake, dusty Rhodes, red rooster, and Tito Santana. <laughs> Listen to all the talent in this man: Rick Martell, Honky Talk Man, Big Boss Man, Bad News Brown, Brutus Beefcake, Dusty Rhodes, Tito Santana, and the Red Rooster. Listen, I know people poke fun at some of these characters, and I get it, but you want to talk about a group of of, of great wrestlers here? My goodness, big time all characters here! Yeah, well, uh, mostly you know, mostly. And then comes rhythm and blues. Bruce, what the fuck? Tell us about rhythm and blues.
2: You know, Greg Valentine had been in the company for a long time and Greg, Jesus Christ, man. Um, you talk about a career that everywhere Greg went, Greg was a top guy. Greg was a champion everywhere and drew money. But Greg was kind of in the twilight of his career. Had been there forever. One day, you know, I was looking at him going, what if? Right. Who would be the most unlikely guy if you were going to have an odd couple? You look around the locker room to to pair with the honky-tonk man. And Greg, sitting there like Greg would sit there sometimes, was positively perfect. Honky's rhythm, and Greg is the blues rhythm and blues baby. And I think that was Jimmy Hart's idea for the name.
0: Really? Yeah. I haven't my notes. Tag
2: team we came up with, but I think it was Jimmy Hart
0: greg was actually being managed by jimmy hart already uh, he had previously managed the fabulous rujos and of course the hart foundation once the rujos leave it seems to create a need for another jimmy hart managed tag team uh, valentine and hockey are teamed up not long after the first pairing we see valentine well sport a different look he's got those roy orbison style glasses a gaudy jacket and a guitar which He clearly didn't know how to play, but maybe, and this is what I'm most interested in, you make him dye his hair jet black. He couldn't have been happy about this.
2: No, Greg did not want to dye his hair in any way, shape or form. Um, Greg fought it and and Greg just kept putting it off and putting it off and putting it off until finally, um, you know, he did it. Where Vince is like, Greg, you gotta dye your hair, man. It's like you gotta commit. And this is gonna be new life. This this is a whole this is the beginning of a new career for you. And Greg finally did it. And I again, dude, I thought it was fucking great. Because it was a reinvention for Greg Valentine. It was it was another it was another step in his career. And he was new all over again. Greg hated it. Fucking hated it. And the more Greg hated it, the more everybody would rib him about it.
0: Just so you know, honky did an interview once where he said that Rick rude is the one who came up with the team name rhythm
2: and blues. Maybe he didn't. Yeah, he might have, I always thought it was Jimmy, but I know that was, that was something that, uh, just fit them perfectly.
0: Their first televised match happens at wrestling challenge. It's the taping on December 12th, 1989. Against Mark Young and your man Reno Riggins. And from December of '89.
2: Wow. Um, well, let me tell you about that. Okay. Okay. So this was one of those where um, Mark and Reno were enhancement talent. Both tremendous talents. And Mark Young was uh, Chief J. Strongbow's son. So. We had tried different things with Mark uh, uh, He did Break dancing and shit like that and, and different things But Mark wasn't the biggest guy in the world And just he was missing something And Vince had tried a lot of different things with him It's was like, you know, Jay I don't know what to do with him Look, we can keep him on He could be an enhancement talent But I just... There's not a whole lot we can do here And Mark would always be As an enhancement talent Would always be in a tag team And Mark never dropped the fall So of course this didn't go unnoticed Amongst the boys And amongst people And so uh, This one time I was like hey, And Jay always had his match As the agent And this this one night They had uh, It was like, okay, Mark Mark needs to drop a fall Jay, this looks horrible for you It's your son I'm going to take you off being his agent And he said, no, 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 no I get it And and he says, you can't protect him like that You can't You know, do that Because people are talking So Jay's like, okay, no, 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 no We'll have Mark do the job But in an enhancement match Clearly, clearly, to get Greg and Honky over, they had Honky hit Mark with the guitar for the win. <coughs> Vince was livid. Are you fucking kidding? You know, Honky using the guitar is a major angle. Right. If you're going to use the guitar, do it on a top guy and make a story out of it. This was an enhancement. This was a five-minute enhancement match. Vince sent him right back out like two matches later to go do the match over and had Honky and Greg go over with their finish.
1: <sighs>
2: That's bizarre that in your notes that match is on there.
0: That's why we listen to something to wrestle, baby. From December of eighty-nine until November ninety, Honky's gonna work almost exclusively with Greg Valentine in these tag team encounters. The one exception, of course, is the Royal Rumble, nineteen ninety, where Honke's gonna work the 30-man battle royal that we know was won by Hulk Hogan. At WrestleMania 6. Oh my goodness, what a moment this was. Rhythm and Blues reveal their new hit single.
2: I'm just a hunk-a-hunk-a-honky of of love. I got a hunk a honky love.
1: He's got a hunk a honky love.
2: You get your hunk a hunk of honky love. Baby.
0: It's comically bad. Maybe with the... Oh, prof- it's
2: fucking great, man. Gorilla Monsoon has the line of the century. If they hung Greg the Hammer Valentine for being a great singer, they'd be hanging an innocent person. The guitar
0: was pretty good though. Not that Greg did anything with that. Uh, Awesome. They're driven to the ring in a pink Cadillac by a then unknown diamond Dallas page. Honky was deliberately off key and did such a horrible job. The backup singers didn't know whether to sing with him or the music. The, (laughs) the segment was busted up by the bushwhackers who were dressed in fan apparel and handing out merch in the front row. And of course, that summer, these two teams would feud. You love this WrestleMania six moment, don't I, you?
2: I, I do. It was so fucking horrible. It was awesome. First of all, looking for a pink Cadillac for the entrance. And uh, Dream smartens me up. He said, Daddy, has got a pink Cadillac down floating and get you one. And I called Alice Page and uh, said, hey man, he's like, you know, fucking Dallas, man. He's he's whatever you need. Yeah, man. I'll shit, I'll drive the son of a bitch up there. And Dallas brings the, the pink Cadillac up and Dallas drives it down. It's all cool and shit. But watch this signal. Cause they're fucking horrible. The monsoon line is in there and everything. And then <laughs> hit the end of it, you got the bushwhackers and they're all of a sudden inside the corral and Hawk says, Hey. Hey, wait a minute. What are you two concessionaires doing inside out here? Hey, you're not a concessionaire. You're Bushwhacker Luke. And you, you're not a concessionaire either. You're Bushwhacker Butch. The Bushwhackers. It's fucking horrible. Yes, it is. And then we have the the goddamn brawl inside, and and it was um, terrible. But... It's one of the greatest moments on that whole show. Awesome. And just a hunker, of hunker, of honky love. He's just a hunker, hunker, honky love. Here's your little hunker, hunker, honky love.
0: Rhythm and blues wind up challenging for the tag titles against the Hart Foundation, but they come up short every time. They- womp, womp, womp. They're even left off of SummerSlam in August. Fast forward to uh, September 18th, 1990. How about this for placement? It's Saturday night's main event, number 28. Hulk Hogan is teaming with his pal Tugboat to defeat Rhythm and Blues by DQ. And this is the famous Saturday night's main event with the Oktoberfest theme that had the big food fight
2: in Frankenmuth.
0: This was your jam right here, is it not?
2: Yeah. Frankenmuth, Michigan. That was, uh, yeah, that was a shitload of fun, man.
0: You know, every now and again, we have a sponsor on the show that makes me question, uh, what am I doing with my life? And today is one of those days. <laughs> Thank you, oozelife.com, for being our one-stop shop for all your cannabis and CBD accessories. Products like vape pens, pipes, bongs, <laughs> nails, grinders, and rolling trays. Best sellers include the slim twist vape pen, the dry herb vaporizer, the kettle water pipe, the slugger dug dugout, the Bowser silicone glass pipe, the smell proof traveler series, the grinder tray, and so much more, including some wild products your friends have never seen before. I have to be honest, I haven't seen most of this before. That felt like a bit of a, a tongue twister there. But my buddy, Clint from Hershey, he's all in on ooze life. Talks about it here on the show. He asked me, hey man, did they hypothetically send you any samples and they did and he loves it Oozlife.com is always coming out with new and innovative products and color designs Clint from hershey is hooked he's made multiple orders since i first gave him i don't even know what i gave him but i know he was real excited about it and here's why Oozlife.com is the loud and in-your-face brand that you've been waiting for we should also mention that Ooz batteries have a lifetime warranty and free shipping over 50 dollars And here's what Clint from Hershey really loves about oozelife.com, the affordable prices. So you can spend more on actual weed. Here's your something to wrestle discount. That's right. We got a special deal for you. But here's the difference. This is a one-time use per customer type of deal. So you can't go back and get this same discount over and over and over. But I'm going to get you 15% off your entire order, but you got to load up the very first time. The promo code is wrestle over at ooze life. That's O O Z E L I F E.com ooze life O O Z E L I F E.com. And when you pump in that promo code wrestle, bam, 15% off your entire order. But remember it's one time per use per customer. So you only get to do this one time. We should mention there is a disclaimer here. You must be of legal age in your state to purchase eighteen or twenty-one. As Lord knows, we don't want the kids spending their money on actual weed. But you're grown up, and I'm sure it's legal in your state. Wink, wink. Wrestle is your promo code, and it's at ooze.life.com. It's going to get you fifteen percent off your entire order. My pal and friend of the show, Clint from Hershey, absolutely loves ooze.life.com, and I'm sure you will too. He found some cool shit on there he's never seen anywhere else and some of these things i can't even imagine what they really are what the fuck is a slugger dabbing dugout i mean i kind of want to know i'm going to find out right now over at oozelife.com and don't forget when you find the stuff you're looking for pump in that promo code baby wrestle gets you 15 off your entire order and we thank oozelife.com for sponsoring this podcast and plant from hershey's high cool uh, the survivor series showdown, we've got Brent Hart Pinning hockey in a one-on-one match. And then at the 90 survivor series, we see rhythm and blues partner with Ted DiBiase on his million dollar team, along with the debuting undertaker to take on dusty Rhodes and his dream team, which is the Hart foundation and Coco beware. Of course, we all remember DiBiase was the only survivor from that team. And at the end of 1990, Greg Valentine began to, quote-unquote kayfabe argue with honky about jimmy hart interfering in their matches and the rumor and innuendo was this was supposed to lead to a feud between the two both honky Tonk man and greg the hammer valentine but it never wound up happening on tv and uh, i think a lot of that is because honky Tonk man briefly joins the commentary table with vince mcmahon and roddy piper but honky would complain that he couldn't get a word in edgewise with piper there so he winds up leaving the company in 1990, a lot to unpack here. Pretty good little one year run for the team. It does feel like we're going to see them feud with each other. It doesn't happen. Instead. He winds up at the commentary desk for a cup of coffee and then he's out of here. What do you remember happening here with, with honky tonk man and Greg Valentine, then him transitioning in commentary and then immediately leaving.
2: Oh boy. Um, we were looking for something, to, for something different for Honky to do, and we had Roddy there. We, Vince liked a three-man booth, so the idea was basically to try and recreate in a different way the Vince-Jesse-Bruno booth with Vince and Roddy mainly doing play-by-play and color and Honky to kind of be the analyst. That was Hon- Honky's role. wasn't to say a lot. It was to provide, you know, bits and pieces, and still be colorful and still be entertaining, but yet ostensibly two babyface announcers or a play-by-play guy and a color guy that's um, babyface, and then your analyst, your analyst was a heel. And it just wasn't the greatest thing in the world, and, and I remember one day being in, in the play-by-play, and this was one of the infamous John Filippelli, who was the executive producer, who was the guy responsible for my first firing. Now, he wasn't responsible, I was responsible, I was an asshole. Um, but it was one of our big arguments in, in the voiceover booth, because honky... We just got done doing uh, the on cameras and everything, and Honky has his hair all slicked back and all greased up and everything. And Piper made a comment to Honky after Honky had like made a derogatory uh, comment to, to Honk, I mean to Piper, and Piper goes, "Yeah, well, you grease ball, man. I think you missed a spot back there." And Filippelli shut it down. I'm like, why are you shutting it down? He says, you can't call him a grease ball. What do you mean you can't call him a grease ball? Look at him. It's he's talking about it. He missed a spot with the grease, right? In his hair, right? And he's like, what? He just called him a grease ball. I said, yeah, because of the grease in his hair. I said, you missed a spot. Hey, grease ball, you missed a spot. With the fucking grease in his hair. <coughs> in the fifties and they call him greasers guy with all the grease in their hair, you know, and he's like, no, that's derogatory to Italians, said, but he's not Italian. He's a Southerner with fucking greasy hair. He's an Elvis wannabe. Hey, honky, you, you Italian? No. Okay. Um, and I'm asking everybody, and I, and I think most of the people in the room were Italian. I said, is there anybody here that's offended by that? No one was offended. Because here's honky tonk man right. with 10 pounds of grease in his hair and Piper calling him grease ball. Hey, you missed a spot. And that was the beginning of the end with Filipelli. But yeah, we didn't care for each other. But it just didn't, yeah, it just didn't, it it it, it was a clash. I think that combination with the heel analyst just didn't really work.
0: Do you think he wanted to stop wrestling? He was tired of being on the road. He was looking for something different. Was the pressures at home? What made him to think, uh, maybe now's the time to try something else?
2: Well, I don't really remember. I shit. Um, I don't think it was really honky's decision. I think we went to honky and said, Hey, we wanted We wanted to try this. This was something that, that Vince and I had discussed about the, the three man booth to, to lighten Piper up a little bit. And what I mean by that is, is so you didn't have so much Roddy, right? Get a third man in there to kind of even that out a little bit. When so he I approached Honky and Honky was like, yeah, let's try it. When he
0: winds up, uh, when he winds up after his release or trying to leave, do you remember? feeling like, ah, man, we're letting him go with too much meat on the bone or had the relationship deteriorated a little bit by this point, or was he just burned out? What was your thinking when, when he winds up leaving?
2: I think, you know, we'd done a lot with the honky tonk man and it may have been time, I don't know what else we could have done more during that period, but. It was, it was kind of time to go in, in a lot of respects but you you grow accustomed to the people and you like the people one way or another or dislike them one way or another. And uh, for me, I was just kind of like liked Wayne. He was rock and roll Wayne Ferris to me. Just a honk talk man, greatest intercontinental champion of all time.
0: We should mention that Greg Valentine, believe it or not, winds up leaving as well. Uh, he doesn't leave. I think we mentioned that. Honky leaves in December of 90, I think February of 91, maybe late January. That's when we see, uh, Greg Valentine leave. So that whole honky tonk versus Greg Valentine match that we never saw in the WWF does wind up happening in February of 91, but this time it's on an independent show. And for the next several years, honky's working on the Indies. A lot of times working with Don Morocco through 92 and Jeff Jarrett in 93 Fast forward to 94 and he gets a shot with WCW. We've talked a lot about that with, uh, with Eric. And I think he was supposed to lose to Johnny B bad at Starcade 94, but he refuses unless he was given a contract. Eric says, well, you won't get a contract for sure. If you refuse to do the job, Honky doesn't budge. And Eric fires him and the two have hated each other ever since, including, I think once upon a time, honky was trying to, uh, challenge eric to a fight eric has recently accepted over at AdFreeshows.com. and it is kind of funny that even though he never had a contract he did have a terrible wcw theme song he winds up bouncing around the indies from 95 to 97 including wrestling the old ultimate warrior in july of 95 and uh, he did that in las vegas and he says by that point warrior had worked with Hogan rude and others. So he had much more experience than when he worked in back in 88, but honky said that warrior was pissed at the promoter. So he barely talked to honky talk, man. And they did something to just get out and be done. Uh, so fast forward a couple years, 1997, unbelievably he's back in the WWF, but not as an active competitor, Uh, during the time he's on the search for the next great intercontinental champion. He's going to be a commentator on Superstars, Shotgun Saturday Night, and believe it or not, Raw is war. And finally, after a few months, he finds his prospect he's been looking for, one half of the Smoking Gun's Billy Gun, and he's going to turn Billy from a cowboy into Rockabilly. Boy, this is some bad shit out of the box of gimmicks right here. Rockabilly? Bruce, what the fuck is this? Are you... Have you always hated Billy Gunn? I mean, it feels like it.
2: You're welcome.
0: <laughs> this is where you talk about honky talk man coming back or Rockabilly or anything.
2: Rockabilly was fucking great. This was during the time, you know, of, of Billy and Bart breaking up and Last week we talked about Billy being a singles and, and just not not clicking as a singles. Um, Billy had chemistry with Bart, tag team. Billy had chemistry with Road Dogg. Um, Billy's an unbelievable athlete, but it just as a single, it just didn't didn't connect and. The idea was to bring Honky back And have Honky be the mouthpiece Because he's going to make him the greatest singer And entertainer and all this other shit That eventually we got to with Jeff Jarrett But yeah, it was It wasn't good But you're welcome What, what are you
0: saying you're welcome for? What was good?
2: We have something to talk about
0: Okay, rockabilly. we do have something to talk about. Talk- He's
2: rockabilly. He's rockabilly, and Honky Tonk Man came back. It was, it was an idea. Okay.
0: All right. So was all your-
2: ideas are good.
0: So it's your idea. We got that. Yeah, now. it was. Talk to me about Superstar, Shotgun, Saturday Night, Raw is War. Who thought? Hey, you know what? This is worth another shot at commentator. What if? Who's the one who pitches that? Or does he call and reach out and say, "What if"?
2: No, we we just you know we tried it and put it out there. Vince was looking for some different things for honky to do. And honky was not really wanting to go out and be taking bumps anymore. Look, honky had the gift of gab and can talk his ass off. So we just tried to harness that any way that we could just wasn't always the best fit.
0: Honky Tonk man said, Savio Vega was considered to be his protege at one point. I don't know, man. That seems like a reach to me. Do you remember there being talk? Of... Really?
2: Never heard that.
0: Okay. That's what I thought. Like that. I don't know. That seems weird. Hawkey said he hated the pairing. He had no issues with Billy Gunn, but just thought this was less than ideal. And of course the failed gimmick is going to lead to Billy joining up with road dog, uh, about a year later and making history as the new age outlaw. So it worked out in 1998. Honky wrestles his first match in the WWF since 1990 happens in the Royal Rumble. He's eliminated by big van Vader. And then he's back to the independent scene for a few years until Royal Rumble 2001. So I guess the idea is let's bring him in and give him this angle to be on the lookout for the next superstar. It gives us a way to slide him on TV on commentary for a little bit. He didn't necessarily turn heads the way they wanted at that spot. So they just say, okay, Rocket Billy thing didn't work out. Thanks for your business. Thanks for playing. See you later. Kind of. Yeah. I mean, listen, if the idea doesn't work, the idea doesn't work. He is back in 2001 at the Royal Rumble. Uh, he's eliminated by Kane after being hit over the head with a guitar. Uh, a bit surprisingly, Honky was not in the gimmick battle royal at WrestleMania 17. Why do you think that was? Because you just done it? at Royal Rumble 2001, it was too fresh or was he too difficult?
2: No, I, I think either he had a, a conflicting date or something like that, but
0: a conflicting date for WrestleMania.
2: Yeah. Hey, Terry Taylor didn't do it either.
0: Well, he didn't want to be the there red was rooster. Guys that's that did,
2: why didn't want to do it. And I mean that we, that we asked and there were some guys that did it. Some guys didn't want to do it.
0: It's hard so for me to him imagine that him being like, Oh, I can't do the WrestleMania gig. I, Surprised. Fuck that. He's back on the independent scene from 01 to 08. And then uh, I guess we should mention on July 27th of 2008, honky almost has his index finger on his right hand severed during a public appearance in Canada during the ultimate championship wrestling show in uh, Chris McDonald's hometown on Prince Edward Island. He's making an appearance several hours before the show. When someone wants to take a photo of, with the men clashing guitars and when the guitars clashed the neck of honky's turned and sliced into honky's finger nearly severing it in the process he goes to the doctors and they uh managed to stitch it up and bandage it he still made the appearance several hours later but he's unable to wrestle so he still does his theme song which is pretty hilarious in 2000 you
2: want to hear the hog talk band sing you want to hear wait you want to you want to hear the honky-tonk man dance and watch the honky-tonk man sing.
0: All that, all that. Got to got to see it and hear it. It's an unbelievably fun listen at adfreeshows.com. Here's a clip.
2: Brian Gawirks, in later years, would, when we talk about Hillbilly Jim, would, would say, could Hillbilly dress more like a Hillbilly and not a strip club manager? Because in later years, God bless old Jim, he would kind of dress like a...
0: Strip club manager.
2: Yeah, yeah, he would. Great guy, hillbilly Jim, though. Absolutely one of my favorite folks in the whole wide world. What's he do now? A uh, strip club manager.
0: Thank you. I really appreciate that. <laughs> See, listen, we can get our Abbott and Costello routine going again. You just got to fuck around and get fired one more time. Well. <laughs> Man, if that doesn't get you going, I don't know what will. Available now at adfreeshows.com. Where, by the way, you would have gotten this show early in ad-free. It all starts at just $9 a month. Check out everything available right now at adfreeshows.com. You'll be glad you did. 08, Santino Morella, playing the comedy gimmick hard, says he's trying to break the honky-tonk man's record for longest intercontinental reign ever. And he shows the honkometer comparing his reign... To Honky Talkman's 64 week reign, which is funny stuff. On October 26, 2008, it's Honky Talkman's last match. Fans are going to vote for Honky over Roddy Piper by one percent, and even Goldust by much more. And Honky wins this match by DQ after Beth Phoenix trips him, and then of course Roddy and Goldust come out, hit their signature moves on Santino, and Honky hits the shake, rattle, and roll. Which I guess is sort of fun because we think about the Honky Tonk Man being this perennial bad guy and what a classic heel character he was. But his first and last matches in the company are as a babyface. He comes back to do commentary on Raw on October 27th, and after being attacked by Santino, Honky busts a guitar over his head. A few years later, in 2010, he's offered a spot in the Hall of Fame, but very famously turns it down. He said in shoot interviews that he had a prior booking he couldn't skimp on, which just tickles me. He winds up on uh, one of those Judge Janine shows on cable in 2010, and he says it's the highest-rated episode that she ever had, which is just great shit. March 4, 2013, he's on the old school Raw following a match between Brodus Clay and Tensai taking on the Three Man Band. Whatever happened to those guys? Honky Tonk Man would smash Heath Slater with a guitar and then dance with Clay and ten side of his theme song. Still doing independent shows through 2019. But famously, last year, he finally joined the WWE Hall of Fame. He goes in on April 7th, 2019. His former manager, Jimmy Hart, inducts him. And uh, Hart said they first met in 79 when he was a part of the first family of wrestling. And of course, he went to New York as Ferris went to Pensacola. And after a a short introduction, believe it or not, the honky-tonk man, here he is in that famous blue jumpsuit. It's a pretty cool deal to see honky-tonk man go into the hall of fame last year. Still got, uh, the old jumpsuit here. And he explained in his speech that he had a vision of the character in mind. He wanted black hair and sideburns and he even described the character as a grease ball and he hoped it would catch on and give him a boost said he needed a name and driving along the Gulf coast. Here comes the song on the radio. I'm a honky-tonk man. And he's off to the races. He thanked Hogan for his chance in the company. And he said WWE did something honky could not do with the character. They gave it life. No promises, no guarantees, just opportunity. And he said, quote, They presented this character to millions of people on every corner of the globe. They made this character a household name. Because of WWE, this character will never die. This character will live forever. And that's the power of WWE for all this i will be forever grateful to wwe it really truly is an honor to be part of such an incredible family i thought it was such a classy and great induction and honky-tonk man you know man maybe i'm not communicating it right bruce but i feel like at times honky-tonk man is a misunderstood individual because you see something like this and you think man what a thoughtful insightful appreciative guy But then you see him hamming it up on shoot interviews, and you think, well, hang on, who is that? And then part of me has to remind myself he's playing a character. He's trying to get future shoot interview gigs. He's trying to keep the gig going. He's working, brother. Wink, wink, right?
2: He's a performer. Yeah. Honky Talk Man is a performer, greatest Intercontinental Champion of all time. I, I remember running into Honky at the bottom of the escalators. Uh, WrestleMania right before the Hall of Fame And saw him You and I had a show to do uh, At the Gramercy That afternoon I think it was And I was running out the door And just gave him a big hug And it was just so great To see him And he said, Brucey, you're really going to love My speech tonight I said, well, I'm looking forward To it I'm just very happy for you and congratulations. And I thought it was really cool to, to have honky in there.
0: It is cool. And he certainly deserves it. Uh, what a character, what a run. We've got lots of questions that we got on Twitter, Bruce, for this one. There's no chance we can get to them all. Let's try to do the best we can and zip through a few very, very quickly. I know that you're already late for your next meeting. Uh, Andy ABC wants to know, everyone mentions Vince being a body guy. But honky-tonk man wasn't a bodybuilder by any means. Was he ever put on any weight loss program or because Elvis was overweight? Was it better for the character that he wasn't too jacked up?
2: He wasn't fat. Honky was in good shape. He, yeah, shit.
0: Well, I don't think that's the insinuation. I think the, the inference here is he doesn't look like the ultimate warrior. And we've always heard that Vince was a quote unquote body guy, but he made exceptions for big characters like the honky-tonk man, right?
2: Look, if you're a character and you're an athlete and you can go, it, it really doesn't matter.
0: You ain't got to get hot about it.
2: I do get hot about it.
0: I can tell. Uh, Billy Guns Facts wants to know, why wasn't Rockabilly booked to win the Intercontinental title in 97 from that coward Rocky Maivia? Honky Tonk Man passing the mantle for the greatest Intercontinental Champion of all time would have been printing money.
2: It would have been easier to print money. <laughs> Uh,
0: I don't know why that's fun, but it is. Uh, Smile Alzado wants to know: Is it true that if Honky Talk Man, if you say Honky Talk Man three times, he appears out of nowhere and steals your trademarks? Now, of course, this joke is from the fact that I believe he owns the Patriot Gimmick. Is that what you've heard too? No. What? Yeah, he apparently bought guys gimmicks. I think he owns the Patriot Gimmick, or maybe he owns. Um, South and Sears gimmick. It feels like he's like, uh, the gimmick collector on the Indies. Never heard that, huh?
2: Never heard that. I, yeah, never heard that one.
0: Uh, no Bobby has an idea. He says the WWE could use a son of honky. We could have a new Elvis gimmick come in, maybe even have honky introduce him, then have him shit all over today's music and talk about how everything was better in the fifties or something. Uh, what do you think, Bruce? You think no bobby I love it.
2: I'd go I would go fifties, sixties, or seventies after that, nothing was great.
0: By the way, if this dumb shit winds on TV, send your hate tweets to at no bobby. Uh Matt wants to know, HTM seems to have been the least likely wrestler to make a face turn during this era. How crippling is that over uh, a long period for a wrestler's career? You think that's bad that you never switch, that you're always one or the other? I don't think that's bad.
2: I don't think it's bad. At, uh, I don't think it's bad at all. Uh, it just depends on if the character is able to do it and pull it off.
0: Kirinaldo wants to know, who do you prefer with a guitar shot? Honky tonk or double J?
2: Uh,
0: I'm going to tell you straight up. Clobber me all day. Double J.
2: I don't know. Really? Yeah. Nowadays, probably Jeffrey.
0: Then uh, by Cherry wants to know theoretically, if Ricky Steamboat had never Den asked by
2: Cherry, if
0: the- <laughs> do you need his fucking address too?
2: <laughs> Good.
0: Theoretically, if Ricky Steamboat never asked for time off, how long does he hold the Intercontinental title, and who does he eventually drop it to? Dragon seemed to be primed for a long run, so I wonder if he'd held it till '88. If Honky still gets it.
2: June of 1970, 1987
0: and the honky talk man. Okay, I'm not exactly sure. I'll follow you.
2: Well he asked, how long would he have held it? And who would he have dropped it to? Okay. He would have held it until June of nineteen eighty seven and dropped it to the honky talk man.
0: So if he never would have asked for time off, nothing changes. Yep, that's it. You just want to end the show right now and just try again next week.
2: No, keep going.
0: Steve hates wrestling wants to know. We've seen on numerous occasions that Vince will go out of his way to get previous records broken from out of favor stars like Orton breaking Lesnar's youngest champion record and new day breaking demolitions, title reign. Why is the honky Tonk man, intercontinental championship record still intact?
2: Cause he's the goddamn greatest intercontinental champion of all time.
0: All right. Now a serious question. Honky Tonk man has said that Vince wanted to repackage him in 1988. Did you hear anything about this? And what would the repackage have been? That comes to us from Adam.
2: What the fuck would he have repackaged him as? He was just started as a honky-tonk man. I think he'd been there, what, a year, two years?
0: Yeah, two years or so.
2: Yeah, I've never heard that in my life.
0: Jay Marsh says, There was a pay-per-view where honky-tonk man came to the ring singing his honky-tonk man song. He was really far behind the beat. Was it a work to have him be off like that? Or was he just unable to keep the beat?
2: No, it was just fucking awful.
0: Okay. There's a fun story here that lots of people wanted to know about from kayfabe commentaries. Our our man, Sean Oliver sat down with King Kong Bundy and he said that honky tonk man used to dine and dash at restaurants without paying honky tonk man denied this. uh, And he would even say that King Kong Bundy never left a tip for anybody anywhere. And then uh, honky tonk man says that, well, that's not true or I'm sorry, King Kong Bundy says, that's not true. Honky Tonk Man says that uh, he shouldn't have to tip. He's almost like Reservoir Dogs in that opening scene. And I think Honky Tonk Man says, why should I give you extra money? Because you brought me my drink and didn't spit in it. When I could spend that money on my family or something like that. Do you know about Honky Tonk Man, either dining and dashing or being the world's worst tipper?
2: I do not, but there are a lot of guys that, that view that view it that way. That's why when I see the Steve Buscemi character, there, reservoir dogs. It's like, yeah, yeah. I've played that scene out many nights. And yeah, I, I never, never heard that, uh, honky dying and dash
0: in this photo says honky versus Valentine at WrestleMania seven would have been a decent match with a storyline. Rather than just having Valentine job out to quake, what were the plans for honky? Had he not left? I think he's talking about 1991 here. I mean, would that have been it? I mean, did you sort of have that circled in your mind's eye before you got shown the door, Valentine versus honky?
2: I think that's probably where they were going when they broke up the tag team. Yeah. I mean, that's logical and that's what they had built for all that time, but Yeah, I was, I was shown the door, Conrad. I was fired. Fired.
0: Hypothetically, Sterling Pingree wants to know what would it sound like if honky-tonk man sang with my baby tonight.
2: Spend my days working hard on the go with my baby tonight.
0: Gary wants to know, did you guys just purchase gimmick guitars in bulk? And if you did, how many do you think you went through a year?
2: not for honky for jeff jarrett we did though
0: right yeah for honky it was more of a special deal it was the big shows whereas with with jeff it was twice a week yeah
2: you know you got those guitars rs and shit uh, then there was a the gimmick guitars rs and shit
0: seb wants to know hey bruce how horrendous on a scale of one to ten did it look when honky had to reposition himself in the correct spot for warrior to do the running splash on him <laughs> that's It is pretty bad.
2: He was saving his own life. Yes, he is. Yeah. It was like, God bless you, man.
0: You know, and here's the thing I think, and we did sort of gloss over that because fans are so familiar with it, but Willie brings up a great question. He says, has there ever been a bigger star making moment than when honky put over warrior at SummerSlam?" Willie says, I struggled to think of anything even on that level. Maybe Kane's debut, but dude, I know we sort of poke fun at the gimmick every now and again, but Honky had white hot heat. People hated him. People wanted to see him lose, and for him to come out there in that outfit—that's heat—and then just shit all over everybody. Oh, I'll beat up whoever, and then the Warriors' music hits, and it's so the fans were already digging the Warrior, and you could tell that they were getting behind him. But this is sort of. Phase one of the big Warrior push that's going to make him the top star in the business in like 18 months. And I don't know that it would have been as big had Honky not helped him light the match here.
2: Would you agree? No, absolutely not. And still to this day, even if you don't have all of that background you have, it's still a goosebump inducing moment because it was just so big. Honky went out and set the table, and here comes Warrior. Bing, bang, boom, thank you, and that place was on fucking fire. I put that pop up there in the same pop of Worcester with Austin coming out when Mick won the title. Yeah. It was just one of those, the roof comes off the place.
0: We'll get one more, then we'll wrap this week up. Uh, Brent wants to know, was Bruce there, the night Dynamite Kid, apparently slapped Honky Tonk Man off his chair in front of everyone? insulting Harley race.
2: No, I heard about it, but I, I was not there. And I, I think, uh, I don't know if that was embellished or not. So I, I couldn't really tell you. I was not there. Did not witness that.
0: Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode on the honky talk, man. We hope you dug it. We'll be back next week covering an anniversary show of sorts. It's going to be unforgiven 2005. And we'll cover it on the exact 15 year anniversary on top. It's Kurt angle and John Cena for the WWE championship. Then we've got Shawn Michaels with listener of the show. Chris masters, Lance Cade and Trevor Murdoch are going to take on hurricane and Rosie. Matt Hardy is going to be in a steel cage with edge. We've got Shelton Benjamin working with your boy Kerwin white. Big show is working with Snitsky. Ashley Mazzaro is teaming with Trish Stratus to beat the ladies in pink, which is Tori Wilson and Victoria And then in our opening match for the Intercontinental title after a phenomenal promo, Ric Flair and Carlito. A lot to unpack next week, Bruce. This is going to be a sleeper show. I'm looking forward to Unforgiven 2005. What say you?
2: Boy, it should be interesting. See, now this is one I have to go back and watch and remind myself of. That's fucked up. Why are you making me do extra shit and stay up? That's two and a half hours of my life.
0: I'm trying to drive traffic to the WWE network. I thought your boss would like that. Okay. Check it out. Unforgiven 2005. We'll be back with that next week. By the way, you can get all these shows early and ad free over at ad shows.com. And, uh, Bruce allegedly now's a great time to save some money over at save with Conrad.com. And I'm sure you've heard a thing or two about that.
2: Yeah. Cause I'm getting ready to refi and, Rates are going down, and it's easy because it's just put your information, somebody gets a hold of you, and you learn how to save money. And here's the trick, folks. You need to do this. Take a look. If you've got a 30-year mortgage, <laughs> how old are you going to be when you pay that son of a bitch off? Yeah. Okay? Then if you look at, and people look at, oh, my God, a, a 15-year mortgage, that's half as much time, so it must be double- The payment. No, folks, it's not because you're paying less interest. And when you actually realize the amount of money that you save over your lifetime and how quickly you go, well, shit, I'll be 15 years younger when I pay off this house. And look at how much money I didn't pay in interest thing. Go to SaveConrad.com and figure it out for yourself. Wait, you don't have to because they'll do it for you. Hey, look at
0: you, not missing a beat. Hey, by the way, did you know for real that rates are in the twos? You really should refi. I forgot about that. You've been up there a year. It's time. I know. All right, well, let's go do that. And in the meantime, you guys watch Unforgiven 2005. Bruce is going to watch it in the middle of his sleep because that's all the free time he's got until next week when we meet back with you to talk about Unforgiven 2005. And don't forget to hit us up over at adfreeshows.com. Until next week, he is at Bruce Pritchard. I am at Hey, Hey, It's Conrad. And we are out of time. On something to
2: wrestle with,
1: Bruce Pritchard.
2: Rock on, Sheldon! Feel better.
1: Hey, you love the show, right?
2: Show off that love with a shirt from BrucePritchard.com or get your gimmick at Boxagimmicks.com, the official store of Something to Wrestle. Posters, hats, tumblers, accessories, and more. Boxagimmicks.com There's no better time to
0: say I love you, and the most hated jeweler in America is at it again. You've heard us say I hate IHateStevenSinger.com, and you've heard us rave about his famous roses. But Stephen Singer has been selling diamonds and bridal jewelry for four decades. Whether you have someone or something to celebrate, Steven is there for you. Ready to take the next step? Steven has a ready-for-love engagement ring collection that is no hassle, no risk, expertly picked engagement rings that are ready to go. Don't worry, Steven won't let you mess this up. He's been selling online for over two decades, but he's recently kicked everything up a notch to better service friends and guests online. He has real expert jewelers on call to help you find the perfect ring or gift through new virtual video appointments, calls, texts, chats, or emails, all with extended hours. On top of that, he offers the best guarantee in the business with a full 100 day, 100% money back guarantee and free shipping. Interest-free financing is available online too. And that's just the beginning. Gifts that say I love you every single day, backed with decades of experience and the comfort of your own home, it's easy. Just go to ihatestevensinger.com, fast, free and safe shipping. Steven Singer Jewelers, that's ihatestevensinger.com. I've been telling you for a long time that savewithconrad.com can save you money, but don't take my word for it. Good
1: morning. Hey, this is Dave Silva. I'm calling from SavewithConrad. How are you this morning? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. How about you? I'm doing good, buddy. I'm doing great. I listen to you guys all the time, man. Oh, man, that's all awesome. Five, all, five, five, <laughs> all five podcasts. Okay, so what made you come to Save with Conrad in the first place? Uh, I was just looking to try to refinance my my home and try to get a, a better better deal on my home as well as trying to cut out some of my my credit card and uh, other debts that I had. And I had worked with, worked with Derek and... He was he was amazing. Like he answered every question that that I needed answered and he was able to answer those questions as quickly as possible. If he wasn't able to answer thing, he would get back home to me within like within like an hour with, with those answers. So he was just flat out amazing to work with. How much money was say with Conrad able to save you? So they paid off my car, paid off several credit cards. I want to say, in the long run, probably about thirty-five, forty thousand, for sure. That's fantastic, man. That's great. Congratulations. Yeah, man. I yeah. Thank you for calling. I really appreciate your call. And like I said, um, I listen to you guys all the all the time. I've listened to Conrad ever uh, Conrad Thompson ever since the Rick Flair show. So. <laughs>
0: So what are you waiting for? Find out how much money you can save right now for free. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. Even credit scores in the five hundreds can be approved. And if we can't save you money, we won't waste your time, but because we're licensed in more than 40 States, we can help more families than ever before. Find out how much money you can save right now for free at SaveWithConrad.com. Oh, and did I mention you could skip your next two house payments? Hurry to save with Conrad.com.
1: NMLS number 65084 Equal Housing Lenders. Woo, John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together